another episode of that other Masonic podcast. Brother Jared Atkins. I'm Brother Todd Whaley. Coming to you from Bethlehem Lodge 574. We are sitting in the lodge room. Dude, I'm stoked. This is going to be in, it's probably our biggest guest yet. Not only that, this is probably our biggest, uh, biggest fan. Our biggest fan. Uh, today we are doing another marathon uh, session. Yep. Uh, we're going to get three episodes out, could even get four. This has probably been the biggest series of, uh, I'm stoked about this. This is going to be a great one. Here. We got, we got multiple interviews lined up today or at least two, and then we're going to try to fill up some content, but, uh, we have a, a great guest. Should we introduce him or you want to just get him on the phone? Uh, let's get him on the phone. All right. Quick. You go, you go ahead and hit record. We are right, we're calling him right now. stand by. Yeah, my number. Hey there. Brother Roger, how are you? I'm fine, Jared. Yourself? I, I'm doing good. We we ended up having to use Brother Todd's phone. My cell phone reception was spotty. It wasn't working, so. Yeah, Verizon's nope. not very good out here. Verizon's not very yeah, good up here. Uh, no big deal. No big deal whatsoever. We are. No, I'm just, I'm just sitting in here in my uh, bedroom. I got my, my family's out there, so I got the door closed and got you guys on here. And I just thought we'd chat. What do you guys want to talk about? Well, we'll, we'll talk about anything. Okay. Well, before before we do that, what we would like uh-huh. to do is we would like you to introduce yourself to everybody. Sure. 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 Um, are you guys, you guys have recorded now. I think. Yeah, yeah, we're yes, recording. we are. Yep, Go yep. ahead. Okay. Right good ahead. deal. Yeah. No, no. Good deal. Good deal. <laughs> um, I, I've got the laundry list here, and I'll try to be brief because uh, uh, next July 14th, uh, be 42 years, 42 years I was raised a Master Mason. Wow. And uh, I've been Master four times, twice in my home lodge and twice in a you know, lodge I was dual member with. I'm currently chaplain. Oh, wow. I'm uh, I was active in the York Rite. I'm a past high priest, past illustrious master, past commander. And of course, uh, uh, KYCH because I served as masters, well as the three York Rite bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a past uh, thrice potent master at the Lodge of Perfection at Indianapolis Valley Scottish Rite. Of course, I was Grand Master back in uh, 2002, 2003. So, so this this convocation or this annual communication coming up, it will be 20 years that I stood on that floor and. Uh, and presented my stewardship to the craft. I, I think that's one of the reasons I'm the most excited about today's episode because, you know, the laundry list of titles, you're a very well-traveled Mason, but of course you've got that PGM behind your name. And that, to me, that carries weight with people. That's like, here's, here's a brother that's attained some of the highest level of craft in our state to be, to get that honor. And then uh, we're just super excited to have you now. I told Brother Todd, I said, uh, I said, uh, Mr. Van Gordon sent me a little message. He don't want to spend the entire hour talking just about Roger Van Gordon. I said, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're going to have to hit you with the first two questions that we hit every guest with. It is sure. how and sure. why did you get involved in Freemasonry? Okay. Um, first of all, I just want to say to you, I'm Roger, that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that Grandmaster – Grandmaster's a job is a job I did. It's a job I did. It's not who I am. Yeah. I, I'm just like you guys. I'm a I'm a country boy 
from Flat Rock, Indiana. Okay, right. and 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 I belong to a to a little country lodge, and and we got fifty members, and I'm Roger, and <laughs> and so um, now, how did I get involved in Masons? I rem- my first memory of the Masons was over here at Hope, Indiana, at Norman's funeral home, and I was probably about five years old, and 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 my friend. Fa- parents had a had a friend pass away and they were sitting there to his funeral and all of a sudden i look over and my dad reaches in his back pocket and he pulls out his handkerchief and he lays his handkerchief on his lap and to little kids like what is this right and i'm saying something to my mom and i remember her saying tell me to be quiet and she said and she said it's the masons and I remember that clear. And that was, and I'm like the Masons, and I'm looking around, and because I'm a little kid, right? And, right. And I yeah. hear stuff going on, and I remember this. Well, later on, um, I had a friend that we had a DMLA chapter in the in the town, and, and a a friend of mine had joined. His family were active in in the fraternity and and he came by my house and said hey you need to join Malay and and so we talked about it, and my dad said if you want to join that that's fine and i joined Malay and it was on like donkey kong type of thing <laughs> i just I, I just absolutely ate it up <clears throat> and then the irony of this is uh, as past master counselor uh, Malay has its appended organization called Order of Knighthood, and there was one in there was one in Indiana, and I was a I became presiding officer of it, and and I was a state appointed officer. Matter of fact, I went around and uh, and politicked for Carl Coleman to help get him elected into the office. <laughs> Carl and I—that's how far we go back. Oh wow! And 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 I was a state appointed officer for several years, and. I sat there and I saw these guys, Carl and these other guys, were were elected officers, and they looked like they were working hard. And I'm like, I'm having too much fun to, to actually work at this. I don't want to be an elected officer. <laughs> and I wasn't that smart when I became an adult. <laughs> and and, uh, and so anyway, this is a true story too. When I was about 17 years old at the Masonic Home Festival, yep. they used to sell. All, all kinds of paraphernalia and, and, and books and stuff like this. And I was 17 years old, I was acting DMLA, and I bought an Indiana Masonic monitor. And so I go up to pay for it, and the woman, you know, eyeballs me, and, but she ends up selling it to me because, right. as we know, it's all, you know, it's all, anybody, yeah, 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 yeah. But I read that thing, and I'm like, I can't wait to turn 21 so I can be a Mason. <laughs> and I turned 21, and my dad was old school. Right, oh, yeah. he was old school. He was not going to say, "Hey, how about becoming a?" He, no, yep. you didn't talk about it. You everything was a secret. Right, <laughs> and uh, so I turned twenty-one, and I said, uh, "Dad, can you get me a petition to Farmers Lodge? I want to be a Mason." And so I finished school out in May, early May, and they had read my petition in April. Had stated. First uh, state meeting there, first week of May, that's when I was in school, they voted on me. And around sometime around the 14th of May, maybe 7th of May, I think it's 7th of May or so, I got my apprentice degree. And then July, um, 
14th, received my Master Mason degree. And, of course, in those days, you learned the questions and answers. Oh, and, yeah. and, and there was no such thing. Nobody ever heard of one-day class and stuff. <laughs> right. And, uh, and I just I just stayed it up. And I have been active since the night I got raised. <laughs> well, Roger, I'll and, tell you, uh, me and you got kind of a connection. You may not know this, and you may or may not, but I was raised the year you, you were Grandmaster. In Is that right? In 2000, June 2002, I was raised Master Mason. So, and, so there was like a star in the east when you were right because that was a whole year. Yeah, it was real bright. It was real bright and everything. <laughs> but also, um, I, I, if I remember right, I believe you preside over my 14th degree in the Scottish Rite. Is that right? I, I do oh believe my. so. It would be a long time ago. But also. Yeah, because yeah, it, yeah, it was, I think I was. TPM around 2005, six, seven, something like yeah, in, in right there. Around, so, yeah. Yep. And then yep, also, yep. I believe that you knighted me into the Nice Templars. Is that right? Yeah, I, I went through a one day class at the Marat Theater in 2000 yes. and I must say uh, nine or 10. Is that right? And, oh, my goodness. And I'd have to get in line where you, you were knighting me. Yes, because it was a, cause, yes. Exactly. And I thought, wow. Well, I've always had a connection with you. I've always, you know, I've met you several times. I mean, I'm yeah, 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 in yeah. passing, and we've talked yeah. several times. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that because that's, that's incredible. I was just thinking the other day, like, well, he was Grandmaster when I was raised. He was a uh, uh, presiding officer in the 14th degree. And I was like, holy crap, he knighted me a nice temper, too. We got it's amazing how I've, I've been connected to one person in masonry in a certain way. You mean not connected? Yeah, know, way yeah I understand. No, but that, yeah. that's cool. It's that is way cool. <laughs> no, that is way cool. I'm yeah. glad you told me. That is like that is super. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I, always, I always like that, <laughs> brother Roger. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little curveball at you here. We're gonna okay. ask we're gonna okay. ask something that we've never asked anybody in the few interviews we've done so far. Uh-oh. That's fine. No, you, you have, do it. Yeah, you, ask me anything you want. <laughs> you have uh, been a huge supporter of the show, and you know the show's been out active now since October, November. Yeah, yeah. So I I wanted to ask you. And just give your own take on it. How did you become such a supporter of the show and, and really start? How did you find out? I know <laughs> okay. you were friends with us uh, on Facebook. Did yep, you yep, see yep, it yep. from there? Or yeah, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you what I do. I don't have a. I've only got like a fifteen minute drive to work oh, wow. in the more You know, but, but yeah, I, real, I live real close. And so for years, right, I'd listen to the radio going to work and coming back. And it got to the point that the time I left. And it just so happened the time I came home every day, I bet you half my drive was commercials. Right. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, this is nuts. This is nuts. And, and so I was on Facebook and I see different people, podcasts and stuff. And I said, you know what? Because podcasts, a lot of the younger, because I'm 63 and, and a lot of the guys, younger guys are podcasts. And I said, I want to start listening to these podcasts because I want to see what these guys think. I want to see what they think. Yep. And, and so, um, and then to be blunt, the reason why I, I follow you, because you guys are users, right? That's yeah. right. As far as I know, as far as I know, you're the only podcast uh, Masonic podcast in Indiana. That's what we so, say every episode. Yeah. To our not, we've looked, yeah. we've yeah. looked yeah. high and low, and I have too. And, and you guys are it. And so I'm like, I gotta listen to these guys because these guys are my backyard. Yep. And and and, and so 
because of the length of your show, it may take me two days, right? Because right? yeah. listen to 15 minutes start, 15 minutes, you know, that. But the positive thing is, is I catch 15 minutes and I'm thinking about things you talk about, right? So, so I'm, I'm kind of cutting, so, so I'm, I'm getting stuff out of this. And, and the reason I'm being supporter of your show is that, again, you're hometown. Right. And, yeah. and you guys are talking about things that are pertinent to Indiana. And, and, and also, uh, I live here at what may be like the gateway to southern Indiana here about Columbus. Yeah. And, and you guys are down bird's eye. And, and I have a lot of affinity and, and did a lot of visiting in southern indiana right and i want to hear what what you guys think okay and and i listen to some other podcasts too there's a podcast i listen to uh just because of my own interest called uh craft cast which is supported by the united grand lodge of england and it's three brothers in their 20s and 30s and they talk about english freemasonry and I, yeah, and, and, and that, and there's a couple other podcasts I listen to. I, uh, short talk bulletins from the MSA. I, I'll pick up some of their, their podcasts, but no, I, I listen to you guys. Uh, you're, you're what? 21st, 22nd, maybe episode. And, and so there's episodes I haven't gotten to, to listen to yet, but, right. but I, I, whenever you come out with a new one, I try to catch it. <laughs> and, and no, I, I, what you guys are doing. And I realize that you just say, oh, we're just having fun. We're doing this. But but 10 years from now, 20 years from now, as more of this technology prol- proliferates, you two guys will be able to look back and say, we were there at the start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we were we, there at the start. Basically, what we, the reason we started doing this is because we basically we liked uh, talking Freemasonry together at Lodge. And sure, sure. We, we just wanted to get out there and let, show the people, you know, because I'm in my 40s, Jared's in his 30s, and we're, we're young enough in the craft, I guess, I mean, considering the average age is in the 60s, 70s. Sure. Across the state, that, you know, there's still young guys out here. They're still, we're still trying to come up with ideas. We're still viable to, to our culture in the state and in, in culture in the world. And we're yeah. trying to spread that light a little bit and yeah. let everybody know that, hey, you know, you don't have to be, you know, a stuck-up white guy to be in Mason. You can be a, a yeah, regular, yeah. regular guy who has good have good moral character. And that's yep. – we started doing it. It's like, hey, let's just get together once a month and see what happens. You know, you and, know? If, and if, yeah. I can, if I can say something here, Roger, it, it's, it's support from people like you and the feedback we get. You know, you know, you know, everybody's heard me say when, when uh, Lentz shook our hand – up there at uh, Founders Day and said, hey, I heard what you guys are doing. I appreciate what you guys are doing for the craft. And I look at Todd like, all we're doing is just a podcast, but yet people are thanking us for what we're doing. That meant a lot to me. You know, and I've told the story that I've been blue in the face. You know, I, I never thought I'd come back to Lodge. It's not, you know, I lost my grandfather, you know, and I've said this to I've been blue in the face that I, I just wanted to come up for one meeting and thank everybody for letting me be senior deacon at his funeral degree. And mm-hmm. before I know it, Jackie Ash, who you well know, Jackie, yep, yep. Jackie conned me into going to a couple of degrees around the southern part of the state. And then I came back for a, a, the next stated meeting the next month. And then they put me in the south. And then I'm like, well, I guess I'm back. And then Todd, you know, Todd's like, we ought to do a podcast. He's like, I know you have another show, which I don't I don't talk about a lot because I get a little <laughs> more loose with the tongue on that one. But 
Todd's like, you've got the equipment. Let's do a Masonic podcast. And I'm like, that'll never go over. And then here we are now. And this thing, we know we started releasing episodes in October and November. And this thing has just exploded out from underneath us. And we get feedback and support everywhere. And it's, it's a lot of it is because of, of brothers like you who are like, Hey, I like what you guys are doing. And sometimes Todd and I look at each other, just like you said, like, we're just having fun. We're not doing anything. But damn, man, when we get that feedback, that really makes us feel pretty good, you know? Well, I think, well, I mean, no, you guys are doing a form of Masonic education. And I'll tell you why, especially when I talk to, you know, brothers in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even, they just eat Masonic education up. And, And you guys talk about some interesting things. No, I. You guys are doing bang up job. How, how many members? How many uh, do you know? Does the, the the services that you uh, you know post to do they tell you about how many uh, listeners or, or people download or things like I that? Get, do you get those numbers? I get a lot of analytics off of our uh, off of our uh, RSS feeds, which is hosted by a company called RSS. Uh, okay. Ironically. And we can see a lot of downloads there. Now, if I log into Spotify, uh, I log out of my personal Spotify account, log into a corporate one, it'll show yeah. us how many's coming off that channel. But mainly, we just take a look at the analytics that's through our podcast okay. host. And uh, okay. we are up to, the sm- as of this morning, we were right at just under 2,000, like 19, oh, my goodness. like 1998 yeah. downloads in six months. So it's, wow. it's well, exploded. I- I get you off Spotify, okay, is where I go to. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Um, Scotch Ray Southern Jurisdiction. Right. I'm not not trying to give you guys a big head. (laughs) Scotch Ray Southern Jurisdiction has a podcast monthly called Tyler's Place. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Their average is 5,000. Oh, yeah. but, But my point is, you got... Uh, two guys in Birdside, Indiana, middle of <laughs> okay. nowhere, just middle nowhere, of nowhere, just doing this for 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 giggles. Yeah, and you're getting ha- close to half of what the Supreme Council, the Scottish Rite, thirty third and last degree Southern Jurisdiction yeah. podcast is getting. Uh, yeah. uh, boys, I think you're on to something. Is it, we're not in this for the money. We're, we haven't made the, a dime money? this shit. What money? Yeah. There's n- we've never made no, no money. money. Yeah. yeah, we're not yeah, in this for the money. Because we, we want well, to get the information now. We want to spread Freemasonry. We want to want people to, to listen because we have voices. We want them to be heard like everybody else. And and again, and again, not to interrupt Todd, but when he no. first when he first propositioned this to me, I was like, you're an idiot. Nobody's going to want to listen <laughs> to us talk about Freemasonry. And I was happy to say you're wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> I, if you guys just on just on your RSS are seeing two thousand, um, you guys are making a, a, a serious dent in Masonic podcasting. Yep. Yeah. And that found like at like at Founders Day, we had so many people stop by the booth, and they're you know half of them was oh my god, I've heard of you guys, and then the other half was like. The older, some of the older gentlemen in the craft are like, "Can you tell me what a podcast is?" <laughs> so we, we, we would tell them, but like we had the widow sons stop and talk to us, and Demolay, uh, mm-hmm. and that Robies that and- honestly, uh, when Todd brought the idea to me back in October about doing something at Founders Day again, I was like, "That's not going to work. They're not going to want us to come up there." And then we ended up using that platform to help 
Demolay, Job's Daughters, and the Rainbow Girls, and we still get thank yous from all three of those organizations. Oh, yeah. yeah, wow. <laughs> wow. No, I, I, I'm telling you what, you guys are making an impact more than what you probably realize you do. I'll I tell you, I really enjoyed your Founders Day podcast. Um, I thought it was great. Yeah, it didn't happen. Um, it happened. I mean, I thought well, let's do it. So I had to make. I called. Uh, I called Randy Sipley, uh, or Sipley, and he yep, said, yep. Well, "Call, call Dave Morgan." So I called Dave Morgan. He said, "Well, call Gary Brindley." So I had to call Gary Brindley. <laughs> so I, he said, "Well, we're still talking about it. We think it'll be okay. You need to call uh, Rick, Rich, Rick Elman." I'm like, okay. So I called Rick, and he said, "Well, I'll email you the form." It was like a week before Founders Day, and I had to had to basically figure out how to email this. Uh, I had to fill out this form and email it back to him while I was at work. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I'm going to make us, I'm going to make this work. We said, we're going to be at Founders Day. I mean, I ended up like, I think I was in the bathroom for like 30 minutes one day at work trying to figure out. I understand. Everything. Was That's like, funny. And, but, you know, like Jerry said, Jerry's like, they'll never let us be up there. It's like, how can they deny us being up there? We're just going to, we're just a Masonic club, basically. And then they wanted us to come back for Grand Lodge, and we were going. We're still going. Yeah. And then, I was going to ask you, are you coming to Grand Lodge? Uh, well, Todd's going to be going without me because we found out my youngest one, uh, is having uh, a little bit of minor surgery. So I'm going to set oh, that no. out. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna begrudgingly give Todd all of my eight hundred dollars worth of equipment here and tell him to be yeah. careful with oh. it. Well, good. I got I got to search him up because I, I, I was hoping I was hoping that in the future I was hoping in the future. Okay. Yeah, being a one, being, one, no no because in the future and I and I kind of retire from some of the stuff I do. Yeah. That it'd be it'd be kind of like ball game where I could come on and provide the Grand Lodge color commentary. Oh yeah. And, and I'd be like, then Randy Seipel comes up to the podium. He swings and it's a miss. It's a miss. Randy, he's backs off the podium. He, he, he dusts it off. He comes up back to the podium. He's coming back again. And and I, that I could do color commentary for Grand Lodge. You know, uh, awesome. speaking of that that this that's the perfect segue and then uh and then we'll we'll stop talking so much about you and uh, uh probably at the end of this episode uh when i go into post-production i'm gonna play probably the whole thing or some serpents from founders day and brother todd wanted to ask you particularly about the awesome speech you gave the presentation you did at founders day now uh if you remember how busy we were at founders day it was shoulder yeah. to shoulder and oh, I, yeah. I had to dip out for a while because it was just too much so i went back out on the mezzanine and you know quote unquote worked the room introduced myself to some people but i schmoozing. I, schmoozing <laughs> but i watched it on the video so you want to go ahead and talk to roger i know you wanted to bring well, that up I, I, sure you're uh you talk about cassius was right yeah, yep. I, I didn't catch it, Dave. I caught on, on afterwards on the way home. I watched it on YouTube, and I, I probably watch that once a week now to kind of get my my juices flowing. I guess for Freemasonry again, like what are, what are we doing to help Freemasons? What's our lodge doing to help Freemasonry? Help the lodge? And he was just talking baseball. Boy, he hit a home run with yeah, that, he, didn't he? Yeah, he, he had a home <laughs> run with it. And the the emotion you put into it, and the feeling, meaning meaning. You sounded angry at sometimes. You sounded hopeful sometimes, and I mean, when you you say Cassie is right, I didn't even know who hell Cassie was. But I was ready to whip his ass. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, you just had me going so much watching. I'm like, holy crap! It got me thinking. What are we doing to help our lodge grow? To help Freemaster grow in general, also. Okay. And I, well, I don't even sure. know what the question I was going to ask right now because I watched it actually watched okay. it on the way out here. 
And I, I, I was, really enjoy that for some reason. Bridegroom, uh, John Bridegroom worked up a graphic uh, for Cassius Ride for a joke, and he sent it to me, and I said, I said, Bridegroom, you're an idiot. You need to give out 25 of those on a T-shirt and sell those at Grand Lodge. Yeah. And um, and so so anyway, Cassius was right. Was not the first time I've done that speech. Really? The first time I did that speech was at Founders Day in 2003. And it, it, it was uh, it, it, it was different. It was a redux. And the spotlight place was dark. Spotlight came on, and and remember, this is two thousand and three. Okay, right, right. So I don't have a cell phone. I'm reading a newspaper. Okay. And I sit there and I talk about the state of the world, and I say, "Boy, two thousand three. I said, boy, if there was ever a time that this world needed Freemasonry, it's today." And I folded the newspaper up and sat down, and I went into a similar conversation where I would point something out, and I'd say, because Cassius was right. And, and then at the end, I did exactly the same where I told the story from Shakespeare's Julius Caesar where Cassius and, uh, um, you know, they're, the, they're on the mezzanine, and... Uh, and he and Brutus are are, are actually whining. They're, they're complaining. How come Caesar's the big guy? It's not us. I mean, come on. There was a time I was with Caesar, and he was sick, and he was whining like a little girl. There's a time Caesar and I, we jumped in the Tiber, and he thought he was going to drown, and he was helpless. And how, how come a guy that has those kind of weaknesses is now going to be a person that, that these people want to make emperor? All right? Right. And then he's trying to show his humility by shoving the crown back and feigning, oh, this is too much for me. And they go, well, well, why him and not us? And then Cassius stops and, and, and says, the fault, dear Bruce, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. And then he goes on further to say, it's, that's why he's the great man and not us. Because of what he's done. You see me smiling right now while he's he's doing that. You see me smiling, Todd. And I'll tell you, I've got two really big pet peeves Mm. when it comes to to Masons. Well, I got actually more than that, but I got two (laughs) of them. I got two of them are major. And and, uh, I'll tell you what one of them is. and, And I just saw it on Facebook this morning again where a brother was talking about, uh, you know, yesterday they had some one-day classes, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've seen those posts on Facebook. And, 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 and the brother was saying, we want quality, not quantity. We want quality, not quantity. I, I saw I, I saw that okay. comment. Yeah, I did. And, and, and I'll, say, I'll tell you why that's a dangerous thing to say, because there's not one of us that when we hype about quality, that another brother in that circle is not looking and saying, yeah, we lowered the bar when we let you in. Oh, okay. Touché. Yeah, that's exactly okay. right. So, so, so that, so, so whenever I hear brothers do that quantity, I sit there and go, how do you know that there's not a brother standing here that doesn't think that, that you were the bottom of the barrel when we let you in? Yep. 
So, so you have to be quite careful about quality. You have to be careful about because everybody's got a different idea about quality, yeah. right? Absolutely. I'm not going to crow and, about these one day classes anymore. I, I never. <laughs> no, I've been guilty of that, brother Roger. I told no, Todd hey. sometimes I'm I'm like sometimes I'm kind of in support of it. Other times I'm like I'm not really a fan of that. But man, after you put it in perspective like that, I don't think I'm going to crow about that much and, anymore. And, and I'm going to tell you about that. A couple things about that too. And what it really hit me was that I was at a, a, a conference, a big Grand Lodge conference thing, and a brother was speaking, and I knew that brother. And, 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 and he is, uh, is, he's passed away now, but in his time, he was a, a gold standard. People just thought he was the greatest mason alive. But, but I'll tell you, he was a little stuck up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and he did this, and he did this, this talk on quality, not quantity. And, and I'm a, just, a, I'm just a country boy from Flat Rock, Indiana. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there listening to him and I'm going, you know, he's kind of saying that guys like me shouldn't be in this fraternity. Yeah. <laughs> you know? wow. And so since then, since then, I have really tried to bite my tongue oh, talking yeah. about quality versus because there are guys out there that say, Roger, we, 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 we tell you what, we lowered the standard. We let Roger Van Gordon in this well, thing. Yeah. And and, 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 and and so you have to you have to remember that everybody's got a different idea of quality oh, yeah. and there may be there may be brothers that think yep you're one to talk because if it was up to me you wouldn't belong here I, and, and the other thing that, that gets me about you were talking about one day classes right the easiest way the easiest way to kill one day classes in Indiana or for lodges to stop taking candidates to them. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. So so obviously there's something going on because lodges keep taking candidates to them. And, and the thing about the one day class, because because I was there when back in the day, that's when I was in the Grand Lodge line when we started started uh, formulating the, the what was what's developed down to this formula one day classes. Gail Camp from your area, right? Honeyberg. Yep. Du Bois uh-huh. County locals. He was the first grandmaster. He was the first grandmaster to, to organize a one day class and put it into place. And, and and like you guys, I'm from Little Farmers Lodge, and 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 so I just I had real concerns and stuff with it. And, and since then, I think what I've learned <clears throat> is that I think the point of sale. The point of sale has changed. That uh, perfect example of my lodge is is initiation fees a hundred dollars. Yep. Okay. And 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 you can spend a hundred dollars nowadays and not even realize you spent a hundred dollars. No, I don't today. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of men that join, and I I don't know this because I never asked, but it's just a perception I have. Sit there and say, well, you know. I uh, I don't know if I'm gonna like it or not, but just a hundred bucks, I'll spend a hundred bucks and I'll join this thing, and then sit, then I'll see if I like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Whereas my dad's generation, when they sign that petition, they intend to be a mason the rest of their life. Oh yeah. Okay. And, and I think that the biggest concern I have with one day classes, and you're you're seeing it, and I'll tell you how you're seeing it. Is, is mentoring 
because now Grand Lodge is not just Indiana. Every Grand Lodge is talking about the importance of mentoring because I, I think that the one thing that the one-day class has done is that it's taken away that, that mentoring. And, and I think you have to have a, a, a seasoned brother working with a new brother for him to start his Masonic journey. Just taking the degrees is a good start. It yeah. gives you the, the basics, right? Yeah. But it's after the Master Mason degree that you start your journey. And I think that that's when a new brother needs mentoring the most is as he's starting his journey as a master mason. And that's the thing. That's the thing that bugs me about one day classes is when these brothers go back, are, are there brothers in that lodge that are really taking the time with that new brother, answering his questions, teaching him the philosophy, teaching him the symbolism so, so that he can, can envelop the teachings of Freemasonry in his mind and heart. Um, if, if that is being done, if that is being done, I, I don't have a problem with one-day classes. Right. My concern is, is that being done? Well, I know it's not done a whole lot of lodges. Probably some lodges. I've been, on, I've, I've been in two lodges now, Austin 128, Tipton, and now here at Bird's Eye. So I moved down this area. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I got lucky. I had a you know a guy who was very, a very, very active with Mason Don as He passed away down and everything, but. You know, he'd always ask me, you go, you go in this lodge, you go in that lodge, you need to. If you don't have anything to do, let's go to this lodge. You know, you'll learn more if you, more you see the degrees and everything. And I never yep, ro- yep. I never rode with him. I rode by myself most of the time, going to the lodge and everything. And But every time I'd walk in, even if I didn't know a part, he'd volunteer, volunteer me for it. <laughs> and finally, one day, we're sitting at the lodge, and I'm like, dang it, Don, how come every time I walk through the door, you already have me volunteer for something? I never get to watch anything. He goes, if you're watching it, you're never going to learn it. He said, if that's you're, right. If you're no, doing, I agree. No, you're gonna learn. You're, you're, I I believe that's true. That's, I like, that's true. what I said in one of our first few episodes. I don't travel except for the Master Mason degree because I love watching that. But <laughs> yeah. it, as far as the the Inner Apprentice and the Fellowcraft, I don't travel to other lodges to see a degree. I travel to participate, participate in the degree. Yes. That's what I do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I've, I've oh, traveled all over, uh, like say Howard Tipton County. Um, Hamilton County, Madison County. I traveled that relentlessly for years of going through the mm-hmm. chairs and everything. And I got honorary memberships. Now, I asked somebody, I said, why do you give me an honorary membership for? I said, every time you come here, you take a part. And you always do a good job. I'm like, yeah, but that's what we're supposed to do. He's like, yep. well, you're right, but here's the honorary membership anyway. I'm like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> that's all you can say, really. But, but, I mean, but, but, but no, back to Cassius is right, because this is another one of my pet peeves. <laughs> is when brothers get on Facebook and tell you what we should be doing, right? And 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 in that in that thread that I'm sure Todd, you probably read the same thread. Mm-hmm. There's brothers on there talking about engagement, that, that involvement stuff. And I'm sitting there and I bite my tongue and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, well, brother, what are you doing in your lodge? Yes. What are you doing in your lodge to get brothers that don't attend? Back involved and engaged. Yeah, it's easy to sit here and easy to sit here and criticize. Oh, Especially, yeah. it's easy to criticize Grand Lodge and say, "Well, Grand Lodge, I'll be doing this and this." And that was the point of Cassius was right. Is no, your lodge and you. What are you doing in your lodge to get brothers that don't attend involved? What are you doing in your lodge? to check on, on, on the brother that's maybe in his 90s and he's kind of confined at home, or the widow, her husband passed away maybe a year or two ago, and you drive by her house and her grass is a little high. 
Right. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing to fix or to, or to practice Freemasonry in, in your lodge? Grand Lodge is not going to save your lodge. No. Huh? Right. Grand Lodge is not going to fix your sandwiches after the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Grand Lodge is not going to mentor your candidates. Oh, Grand Lodge or organize a one day class. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Grand Lodge isn't going to mentor that brother. Grand Lodge isn't going to drive him there and talk to him about Freemasonry on his way there and on the way home. Nope. It's up to me at Farmer's Lodge, and it's up to you guys at Bethlehem to 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 practice Freemasonry in that lodge because because all Freemasonry is local. Right. All Freemasonry is local, and in, and what are you doing to to practice Freemasonry in your lodge? What are you doing to make it happen? Well, you know, that that's another good segue, Roger. I know when we had talked earlier in the week about trying to get you on the show, you said that, you know, you would like to talk about some things that we had, you know, kind of left unanswered or, or yep, open yep, yep, in yep. a previous episode. So uh, hit us with something. What's what's okay. Okay. I, I tell you, you know what my favorite episode, my favorite episode that oh, you guys did. No, seriously. My favorite episode is when you uh, interviewed Phil Adkins. Brother Phil. Oh, Phil, yep. Because okay. here's another secret of Freemasonry. The greatest Freemason in Indiana, the greatest Freemason in Indiana is, is not in the Grand Lodge line. Probably, maybe he joined the Scottish, right? But he's not a 33rd. Maybe join that the York right. It's brothers like Phil that humbly work in their community, live in their community, and just absolutely live the life of a master mason. They live their faith. They live Masonic ideals. They practice not just good fellowship, but but actually helping others. All, all of us. It's, it's my favorite. One of my favorite degrees is an apprentice because oh, yeah. the apprentice degree gives you the basic fundamentals of Freemasonry in all parts, and, and all of us have the checkered floor. Yes. Okay. And, and and then there's a I can't remember exactly the sentence, but there's a sentence in the degree that talks about the the, the person that's the most humble. Uh, we, we should help the person's downtrodden. We should because we don't know when uh, we'll be on that wheel of fortunes. So that's for, that's that that point of, of fortunes wheel, the spoke of fortunes wheel, when we ourselves will be downtrodden. And then we could use a brother's helping hand. And, and I really loved that podcast because you could hear it in Phil's voice. You could hear him talk humbly, quiet, and, and, and you just sit there and go, that man's a master mace. He's oh, a master mace. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and, and that is my guy. favorite. Oh, that is my favorite podcast of yours. Because <laughs> uh, um, I think that was, that was more than a home run. That. <laughs> that just that podcast is that's Freemasonry. That's Talking a walk off the bottom of the ninth, yeah. right there. Yeah. Win the World Series. He, uh, I yeah. met Brother Phil 
I met Brother Phil about a year before I petitioned Lodge. You know, he'd already been down here and, and got ingrained in the culture and, and everything. You know, he's an old coal miner from West Virginia. You know, he, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, and uh, I always, he, the first time I met him, I met him, like I said, about a year before I joined the Lodge. He said, yeah, he said, we're related. I just spell my name the right way and you spell it the wrong way. And I laughed. Uh, but, uh, I could not ask for a better brother to be a part of Lodge with. And uh, Todd and I, you know, all the change we've talked about on the show, you know, that we try to bring up here and everything, our biggest supporter in this Is in Phil. this building, in our Lodge, has been Phil. Yeah, Phil, Phil. He's been our so, champion since we, since we started. You know, he's like, you know, these guys, you know, some of the guys sometimes get a little, I don't want to say irritated, but you could tell a little bit annoyed with some of the things that, Todd and I try to do or bring up and feels like, hey, at least these guys are trying. What's everybody else doing? Yeah, we try to discuss at Lodge Education and bring up ideas for fundraisers or fellowship nights and everything. And some of these guys are ready to go. We hit the gavel to start. They're ready to go home. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, here, I'm here to have a meeting. I'm here to discuss stuff with my brothers. I'm here to have a debate over certain, you know, over, you know certain situations and everything. And these guys are ready to go back home. And <laughs> you can see them roll their eyes, see them shifting in their seats. It feels, it feels right there with us and said, hey, if you guys want to leave, we can close without you. <laughs> and yeah. I said that a couple yeah. times. And, uh, you know, you know I, I, have, I came from a lodge that was, you know, repeating past masters for like five, six years and everything. You're and one I, of them. And, I, well, I did it four years in a row, but I did it for a reason. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, and we started rebuilding our lives. I say rebuilding it, but just getting out in the public. And that's what I've been t- trying to tell guys here. It's like, you know, if no one knows you're here, no one's going to come knock on the door. I mean, I, you have to get I, your I, face out there in front of the public so they know you're here so they, they can decide if they want to join or not. There are a lot of men out there, more men than we have members, that are looking for something like Freemasonry. Right. We just got to be, you're right, we got to be there. Um, there's a portion in the Aaron Prince degree that, that, and I referred to it, and Cassius was right, and I truly believe it's true. Happiness, personal happiness, comes from developing wisdom. That You remember Fellcraft degree? Mm-hmm. You're, you're getting useful knowledge, right? Right. right. And, and, and from useful knowledge, you can develop wisdom. And, and we tell the camp, before we even obligating, we're telling him the purpose of Freemasonry. We're telling him what Freemasonry is. We're telling him that, 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 that if you become a Mason and you practice Freemasonry and, you're, and you live your faith, you're going to become wiser and better. And by becoming wiser and better, you're going to live a happier life. Be consequently happier. Yeah, yep. because what is Freemasonry about? It's it's really about teaching a man how to live a happy life. And, and when you look at the world at any point in time, I was watching, as I think I said, I was watching a thing on Saturday, CBS Sunday morning talking about how unhappy people are. <laughs> and, and, and there are men out there, they're good men, that freemasonry would improve their life oh, yeah. that, 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 that i'm gonna that coupled with their faith coupled with their faith freemasonry can can improve this world and, and improve their lives and make them live a happier life and, and i think that's why we have brothers that that are so passionate about freemasonry because it has improved 
their life and they see it's improved their life. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what this is about. Brother Roger, you know, there's something I wanna I wanna pick your brain on. Um Okay. You know you know me and and, and how uh um I've always been, you know, a big supporter. I, I like a lot of the education, you know, like I, I pull uh-huh. stuff from Masonic World and Masonic Shop and all these places. I saw an article uh, a few months back, and this this kind of circles back to what you mentioned a little bit ago. And uh, I was reading this article, and it was about so uh, Freemasonry during the social media era. Yes, and I and okay. I wanted to ask you about this because uh, I really wish I could remember the title of this article or what site I found it from. I mean, it was a couple months back, but it was talking about and it it made some pros and cons of what social media has has done for Freemasonry. And I just kind of want just basically your opinion. Do you think in a way it's it's helped the craft? Do you think in a way it's it's hurt the craft? Like, what is your opinion on this as we are in the middle of a social media driven era i mean well i i, I kind of see social media and the internet and star wars the force um <laughs> similar here the, the force isn't good or bad it's what the person does with the force right right you know vader did one thing obi-wan kenobi did something different with the force but they both used the force todd's over here laughing and smiling as you're doing star wars references references. um the uh the internet's dual-edged sword right right i mean i mean you can learn some wonderful things and you can can learn some dark things oh yeah social media social media it's a tool and it's a way the person uses it and then has has social media helped Freemasonry? Yes, it has. Has it hurt Freemasonry? It's only hurt Freemasonry when when brothers do things and say things on on social media that cause disharmony and anger and hurt. Okay, like that that reminds uh, me of what they were, we were talking about at Grand Lodge last year, and I know you'll know what I'm talking about. I can't remember all the details on the case, but it yeah. was about that brother from Northern one of yeah. the Northern Lodges yeah. who posted yeah. his racial tirade on social media and oh, yeah yeah <clears throat> i heard about that yeah yeah and and i grant you we're all still working on our ashler right oh, yes. we're all right. still working on our ashler but but anytime you because here's what my problem is on on this downside of it that's a brother you're talking to right right that's a brother that's supposed to be somebody that you're always supposed to treat with respect and kindness and even if that and are you showing what your true character is? And trust me, I get it because there are times I read some of this stuff and I lose my temper and I and I try not to post because I'm afraid of what I'm going to say at times because we're all still working on our Ashler. Okay? Exactly. <laughs> and, and then, but but yeah, we we, we got some brothers that uh, they. Uh, they're forgetting their obligations and they're forgetting some lectures out of their apprentice degree. And, and yeah, those brothers hurt us, but you know what? They're hurting themselves, they're hurting themselves oh, yeah. even more. And, and so has it, it's a tool. It can be either used for good or bad. I think, i tell you what I really think is great about it is when I see lodges talking about their activity and their, their, their new candidates and stuff, because I'm seeing that more and more and more. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing more and more lodges talking about, oh, we got this candidate. Blah, blah, that I didn't hear about you just a few years ago, even on social media. And I think it's got the ability to show us 
that you know what we are making a difference we are alive and well we're not a dying um no. that's just so that's just something we tell ourselves the truth is we're viable we're important we're doing good things and we're making good men better men right even though every now and then somebody you know forgets their ashler um we're, we're still working to make good men bad better and, and so i think that social media it's a it's a part of life and and it's a tool and we need to be using it for good and when a brother errs we should be giving him some good counsel and hopefully he reforms you know one of one of the things that um Todd Todd gave me a little bit of a hard time about this, and it was either on our last episode or the one we've got scheduled to to release next week. Which by the time everybody hears this, it'll already been out. But I said one of the things I enjoy doing. I said is I, I stir the pot without stirring the pot. I basically I like to get on there and see all the negative connotations that people say about the fraternity because I know the real truth, and I I just you yeah. know I get a good cackle about it. You know so, oh, yeah. some of the things that that people say like. Uh, you know, I'm a big pro wrestling fan ever since I've been three years old, and sure. they, they opened the show at WrestleMania this year with a Prince Hall Mason doing the national anthem, and he's got the you know he's got the square and compass on, and then I see all these sites on social media. Everybody's like, "Oh, look, they're promoting the Illuminati and Satanism right there on display," and I just and I just I ate it up with just it was comical to me because these people don't know, but that kind of that kind of makes me think too when uh. You know, our third generation Mason, my dad, uh, my dad is what I often refer to, and Todd gives me a hard time about this. I often refer to my dad, he's a dues payer. You know what a, you know the difference between yeah, a member yeah. and a dues payer. Yeah, yeah. My dad goes, uh, when he found out we were doing a Masonic podcast, he goes, You can't do that. I said, What do you mean, Dad? He goes, You can't talk about that online. He goes, That's why you don't talk about it on the internet. I said, Sure we can. I said, the monitor. I said, that's 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 the basis. Anything in the monitor you can anybody can read. Well, you can't do that. You can't put that information out there. That's you're going to get kicked out of the lodge. No, I won't. No, no. <laughs> and it's just and, and, and to show you how you know to show you how things have changed. Because my dad was old school, right? Real old school, and he would freak out over because he's, he's he passed away a long, quite a number of years ago. But he'd freak out over something like this. <laughs> and, and here and here today, you got the grandmaster walking up and thanking you and telling you to keep going, right? right yeah. And, yeah. And so it, it's it Freemasonry changes with every generation, even though we think things don't. It does. Yeah. Freemasonry has changed so tremendously since I was raised. I. Mean, I uh, I ate it up, right? So, so there I am at lodge one night, and I'm talking to, to then some of the old old guy, old pastor or past masters were there, and and I said, boy, where can I get some books or something that I can read more about the Masons, right? And one of them looks at me, and I'm telling you, sober as a judge, he says, Roger, I, don't forget this. He says, Roger, you learn the questions and answers. What more do you need to know about yep. the Masons? Yep, yep, yep. I've heard that. And that. Too. That was their fraternity. That was their fraternity. Yeah, and that's where and, I'm yeah. at too, Roger. You know, not to interrupt you, but just no, I, I, I want to bring that point out is that, uh, you know, you've heard me reference on the show, and, and I, Todd and mm-hmm. I have talked about this on the show, and we've talked about it off the show. The first six months that I was back in Lodge from October 2021 on, uh, I thought I was coming back because it's like, hey, you know, I just lost my grandfather. He was a huge influence uh-huh. on me. I'm doing this in memory of him. 
all the while my personal life was being ripped apart at the seams and before I realized what was going on and Todd pointed out to me before I realized it I was coming back and and going to degree work at least once a week because this was something I needed I needed something to anchor into to to try to get a sense of stability in my life and before I even realized what was going on I was back in lodge because I needed this and I was I was getting happy and then that was good for about a year until what less past summer that's when I told you I was like I need something more now I need you know we've and then the podcast happened I'm like I still need a little bit more which is now I'm looking at joining an independent body you know but sure sure right and and, because I'll tell you this is my I'll tell you my life I rarely I mean rarely to the point I can't remember the last time that I, whenever I leave a Masonic meeting, when I leave a, my brother, I don't care what it is, York Wright, Sky Shrite, Lodge, some other appendant bodies, and I'm together with brothers. I can't remember the last time it, it didn't happen. Whenever I leave, I, I leave in a better frame of mind, and I leave happier than I did when I walked in the door. Absolutely. I relate to that 100%. Now, I will say this. Our last... Our- some of the first couple meetings we had of the year, whenever everyone's trying to get out here and hurt right. everything, and I'm still pretty new down to the lodge, so I'm not trying to ruffle a whole lot of feathers. Because sometimes I leave a meeting, it's like, I, I, we did absolutely nothing tonight to promote Freemasonry, to make <laughs> ourselves, you know, improve ourselves in Freemasonry. And the, after, after that last, I think in February or something like that, I said, you know what, next meeting I'm going to talk to, I'm blue in the face, about something about lodge education or bring up a fundraiser, and if these guys want to leave, they can walk out while I'm still talking. And that's what it took for me to be able to to realize that, okay, this is how I'm going to make myself better. I'm going to get everyone else to start discussing what what needs to be discussed as far as education, Freemasonry, sure. just Freemasonry in general. general. I mean, just come yes. in here, read the minutes, pay the bills, and go home. That's not Freemasonry for me. That, no, it's not. I want to come I think, in and I want to discuss yeah. stuff. I want to have debates. I want to have, you know, uh, hey, are we going to have this fish fry or not? You know, it's, that's, what I, that's what I want to have. You know? I, I tell you. But my lodge in the last 12 months has become a new lodge. We uh, we had an old building. Mm-hmm. There was an old county, county schoolhouse. And we started getting a bad leak in the ce- in ceiling and the walls. Mm-hmm. And we had a contractor come in. And, and remember, we had, we had 50 members. Yeah. And, and, and he went up, up in the attic, came down after a while, and he goes, okay, uh, I can do this work. Uh, you've got asbestos throughout the, the, the building upstairs, and we'll start at $100,000. Oh, wow. We got 50 members, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, we sold our building. Right. And, and we're like, and, and the conversation was, well, should we merge with Shelbyville, or should we go down and merge with Hope, or and then guys were like, wait a second, this lodge has been here for over 150 years. And, and, and yeah, there's not a bunch of us. There's, you know, seven to 10 of us. And, mm-hmm. but we like each other and we like what we're doing. Is there someplace else we can meet? And, and, and it's in a part of the County and that, that some of the brothers had too far. If we went to hope too far, if we went to Edinburgh too far, if we went to Shelbyville, mm-hmm. somebody was going to get affected. And like, that's too far. I, I, I drive by two lodges on the way there. Right. Okay. And the grand, this is one thing that the brothers don't understand. And, and you're going to hear 
the Grand Lodge, you'll, you'll hear Randy Seipel in particular talk about this a lot. And it's a concept of, of what they call Lodge in a Box. Yes. The, the, grand, the grand Lodge rules. If you can tile a room, you can have a Masonic Lodge. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're here and, and, uh-huh. and, uh, and so we scouted around over at Flat Rock. They've got assistance hall with the volunteer fire department. And, and then just down the road is the Rainbow Girls camp. Mm-hmm. And the Rainbow Girls said, you know, you could use our building. And, and here's what, if you'd pay us this dollar amount every time you meet. And the dollar amount that they're charging us to meet there, we could meet 30, 30 times a year and still not spend all of our dues money. Oh, wow. <laughs> and have the money left over that we that we got in the bank on the sale of the building because we got some money out of the building we sold. Right. You ain't paid, you're not paying utilities and or anything else, taxes, really. So, And we have a brand-new lodge. We got a brand-new lodge. We... Uh, so so we're hey let's do stuff and, and it's really cool there it's really cool it's out in the woods and stuff yeah. they got this really cool stone grill and we're already talking about may to bring a bunch of hamburger and stuff and and grilling out there and 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 eating and maybe doing some business or whatever we can do you know type of stuff and yeah. and and they, all summer hey we're gonna grill out all summer <laughs> guys like to grill right oh, yeah. and we're gonna and we're gonna and the other thing is a brother got up the junior warden says hey we talked about Masonic education. We don't do anything. Um, would you guys mind if I put together a schedule and have a brother from another lodge come in and speak to us? And 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 uh, we says you're sure try it. Within two weeks, he had every month filled going out into 20, starting into 2024. Oh, wow. And and we had two. We've had we've had two of them now. And, and brothers now, the second one, they were like, let's hurry up and get the business done because we want to get to this presentation because the presentation ends up to a discussion. Oh, yeah. And our, our meetings are now going and closing at 8.30, quarter till 9 now yeah. because we're trying to get the business done real quick because we want to talk about masonry. Oh, yeah. And that's and it, awesome. And it is like a brand. It's a completely different lodge, completely different lodge. And guys are eating it up, and we've got more guys now coming. We're now getting uh, a dozen or more. When when at times we were better getting seven, right. we'd have some seven. We we had some meetings that we couldn't open because only five showed up yep. in the old building. It just is amazing what getting that the building that monkey off of our back that we don't even talk about money now, right? And everything is focused on friendship and talking about ideas of Freemasonry. And, and it's just, it's a completely different environment. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, my last year being a master, I used to sit there, our, you know, end of our you know, state of meeting, I say, okay, next month, Lodge Education, I want someone to come up with, a, you know, something about the beehive. I, you know, just pick out a symbol or I pick out something about Freemasonry. And that, but that put, you know, my officers be thinking about for an entire month. They look up stuff on the internet and read books. And then they say, okay, Lodge Education, what did you guys come up with? And we'd have a 45-minute to an hour-long discussion about a symbol or something about Freemasonry. And I'm like, holy mm-hmm. crap, that actually worked. Because one guy said, well, why don't you just try this? And I'm like, all right, smarty, I will. <laughs> and, you know, well, and we, like, we, holy we, crap, well, it works. <laughs> well, the word got out. 
and we had a brother is in his thirties and he dropped out when he was senior deacon and ended up getting suspended for non-payment of dues. And he heard about stuff we were doing and, and we had a senior, uh, past master sitting in a senior deacon. And so we got him restored and he came to the meeting and he told the master, he says, well, it's just, uh, he goes, I, you guys are really doing some stuff I'm hearing about. I, I, I want to, I'm excited. I want to get back in. He goes, is there a way I can get back in the officer's line? And the guy that's past manager says, hey, you want to start back here at Senior Deacon where you dropped off? And, boy, we, that night we installed him at Senior Deacon, yeah, yeah. and he's back where he dropped out at. And it's just that kind of stuff yeah. I mean, yeah. that we couldn't do. We couldn't do in the old building because it was dragging us down. Yeah, Roger, I, we, I got a, I, I got a curveball here for you. Okay. And uh, Todd always gets a kick out of curveballs because he never knows what's coming. But uh, – you know, you're you were talking earlier about Brother Phil, and you know, you know how you said that's one of the you know better Masons in the state. And uh, I off, I talk about Tyler Whitaker a lot, and yeah. I I reference all the time on the show that that's a future Grand Line officer. Uh-huh. Now, now, what I'm about to ask and you the is best mustache, in yeah, and he's got the best and mustache it, in the state I, of Indiana. I tell you what, he he had a post on Facebook the other day that ages you. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Which and I'm one? sitting there going, I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah. I'm, sitting, I, I'm sitting there going, Grandpa, and I'm sitting looking at him, and I go, I hate you, Tyler. You're even good looking. You're even good looking as an 80 year old. Oh, I seen that. Yeah, I know. But I uh, said, I hate that guy. You know, not, jeez, he's good looking. He's he looks like he's 85, and he's still good looking. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> so what what I'm going to ask you is. Uh, you know about some of the some of the masons in the state that Todd and I either know or don't know but you look around at some of the younger members of the fraternity is there anybody in particular you've got your eye on like that brother there is going to be in grand line one day that brother right there well, is going to do hey, something yeah. good for the state well you you just brought up uh, uh, something that's interesting and 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 I honestly kind of wish I could answer figure out how to answer it um the way that we pick grand officers, not every state does what we do. No, and and and, and I'll tell you this is true. And I, and whenever a brother brings this up, uh, I sit there and I go, "Be careful what you wish for," because we've had times where brothers have given proposals to elect from the floor, that open election. Yeah, people running against each other. And I said, Here, here's the two things you've got to remember. And it's hard for brothers to understand this. Um, whenever you hear about a dumpster fire in the Grand Lodge, I mean, just things are just terrible problems. I mean, there's, uh, I can point out dumpster fires just where Grand Lodge is in upheaval. You can see it on Facebook, right? Oh, yes. You're right. Yes, I, have. I have yet to see. It not be the case. Every time I've seen it, it's a Grand Lodge that elects from the floor. Yeah. Okay. Second, brothers have a belief, oh, I'm good-hearted. I'm a good speaker. Elect from the floor. Let me stand up and do my pitch. Right. That's not what, 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 what happens. That may happen the first year or two, but eventually what happens is guys go out and they start campaigning. Yep. And 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 they say, well, you can't campaign. Oh yeah, I can because all of a sudden I'm down visiting guys of Bethlehem, 
and we're buddies, and I made buddies with them. So, because yep. you know why? Because May's coming up, and they're going to vote for me. Yep. That I'm not. I'm not campaigning. I'm not campaigning. But I. But that's what I'm really doing. Yeah. And yeah. and here, and and here's the problem with the geography of Indiana. The problem with the geography of Indiana is sixty percent of the lodges, which is sixty percent of the voting delegates. Are within an hour and a half of Indianapolis. Yep. And us down here in the southern part of the state, or the very northern part of the state. And because I mean, here's what I've told people: I've I've told people this, and I said I'm not trying to be mean, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but but I'm from this part of the state. I'm close to Indianapolis, and uh, and I and, and if we elect from the floor, I'm going to work on people like a Tyler. People like this. I'm going to help them. Okay, I'm going to help them because they're from my part of the state. And I don't know when you'll ever see another Grandmaster from Evansville or from Crown Point. We, every now and then, the guys here in central Indiana, these 60% of the lodges, we might let a guy from Fort Wayne in every now and then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just going to be like, it's going to be just like state government. Yeah. Indianapolis run stuff because it's not kidding each other. Indianapolis run stuff. Why? Because that's where the biggest part of the population is. Yep. That's where the most number of lodges are. Now, now what we do, Grand Lodge, if you if you watch and pay attention, um, Richard Lentz is from up around Fort Wayne, and and his choice was a guy from up around Fort Wayne. Right. Okay. So so Gary Brindley, he's from kind of through this area. And and his brother, he's going to ask his junior grandkids going to be from around this area. Mm-hmm. And you got David Morgan, and I think David Morgan, he'll pick somebody from down around your area, right? And, and, and so 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 this way, whenever you look at the Grand Lodge line, you've got a brother from up kind of north of, of Lafayette or Lafayette area north. you got a brother from around Fort Wayne. you got a brother from southern Indiana here. you got a brother from maybe Indianapolis and east. And you got a brother maybe central and he's west. And, and, and so, so the state's getting represented. Everybody's getting represented. And, 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 and the other thing I love about our system that I think that electing from the floor destroys, and it's just like politics, Guys get elected and they kind of forget who elected them, and they think that they got a mandate because they got elected, and and all of a sudden it's about them. It's not about the craft and, and, and the culture we have in our Grand Lodge is that you're getting selected because of your heart, and because of your your work, and because of your mind, and and, and you're getting elected because you have a servant attitude. Absolutely. You know, I want to make a point on that, Roger, if I may. Uh, sure. Brother Dave Morgan is from down around our area, the yes. same part of the state. And, and, and I think the world of him, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> I hope he's not listening because he's going to be, he may very well be deputy grandmaster here in a few weeks. So I hope he's not listening. But but I do think the world of him. Yeah. And you know, I, don't want him, I don't want him to know that. Go ahead. Down here around the southern part of the state, you know, and I don't mean the Evansville part. I mean a little bit closer to home, like Dubois, Perry, Spencer. Yeah. Yes. County. Central yeah. South. yeah. Central South. So, uh, you know, Dave's from Santa Claus yeah. area, which that's, yes. that's, Spencer, that's yes. 15, 20 minutes from yeah. me in Utah. Yeah, no problem at all. Get there. Uh, I was attending a f- entered apprentice degree down at Eureka Lodge, Brother Dave's home lodge. And uh, 
you know, I had been active again about a year, and Dave uh, David talked to me, and he said, you know, he said, uh, I heard you came back, and he got to know me a little bit. He said, you're doing good. I said, Brother Davis, I want to ask you an honest-to-God question. And I've also talked to this with uh, Brother Gail Kemp, you know, who is yep, yep. past Grandmaster, obviously. I said, how does somebody get in Grand Line? And I'll never forget, they both looked at me, and I talked to them at two different points, but why? they both gave the same answer. They said, obviously, this is important to you, but why? I said, because... Uh, it's just it's something that I think I would I would want to do. It it would be a matter of uh, doing something for me that made me proud of myself for once. And I said, how does somebody go about getting in Grand Line? And they both gave me the same answers. They said, as long as you're true to yourself, you travel and you put in the work. Eventually, somebody's going to notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's the best I can yeah. give you. Yep, yeah. and because because you said to me, how do I get in the Grand Line? Uh, I don't know. I know that I was super active. Actually, the true story of my, my life is that I I was going to, I think, end up in the Grand Commandery line because I was past commander and I was super active in New York, right? Yeah. And and I'd been talking to him about, you know, possibly getting into the, the, the progressive line. And, and when all of a sudden I got tagged by Mike Brumbach, says, hey, you need to come over here and you be my Grand Marshal. And... Uh, and then it was that was start of, of that. And and why did Mike pick me? I, I Mike was an active York Ride guy in in, in, in in Lodge, of course, in Scottish Ride. And I was super active and I was known for getting stuff done. And I was known for good to work with and good collaboration. I was known to that I was a good ritualist and all these things. And and he just thought let me see if this guy can do something. Let's see if this guy can fit in. And I was lucky enough to get a break that later Doug Fagenbush appointed me to the progressive line. And that's how I got in. But I honest to goodness, when Mike Brumbach was talking to me, I was thinking, well, maybe here in about seven and about seven, eight million years, I might be grand commander of Knights Templar in Indiana. I had no idea that, that I would end up because so here's the truth. My the my weakest activity, my weakest knowledge of ritual and all that was lodge, because oh, wow. I was so strong in New York, right? Yeah. I could do all kinds of stuff in New York, right? I answered all the rules, all this stuff, and in 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 lodge was truly my weak link, and that's where I ended up in Grand Lodge. <laughs> and, and so I think it, I think it is those things. Now I do want to talk to you about being Grandmaster for a minute. Okay, I would love okay. for you to. Yeah. Okay. Um. It's like a lot of things in life. It, it looks sparkly and pretty, but it's not. But it's not. This sounds like it's one not. of those grasses and always greener type yeah. things. Yeah, because I'll tell you. Well, I'll, I'll just give you one example. Your grandmaster, you get a phone call. You get a phone call, and it is never. It's never from a master who says, "Grandmaster." We had a meeting tonight where brotherly love flowed like water. Uh, oh we had no. a meeting tonight where, where 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 we could see in the distance. We could see Hiram. We could see an image of Hiram. Okay, no, that's not what you get. No. You get Marshall Master calling up, going, "Joe came to lodge drunk tonight, Grandmaster, and how will we deal with Grand Grandmaster? The, uh, I got I got a call that that so and so he beat his wife and and and, and Grand Grandmaster so and so's in jail and he, Grandmaster we got terrible terrible stuff and Grandmaster we got two bass masters I thought they were going to hit each other and 
You get all the garbage. You get all the garbage. And the only time being Grandmaster is fun, and that's why Grandmasters like to visit a lot, because, and even some of those aren't fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, but because you deal with so much what I call garbage. Drama. That drama. you sit there, and it does, and it does affect your, affect your view of the fraternity. Yeah. Because you sit there and go, no wonder we're having trouble, you know, increasing members when this is what we got to deal with. And, and, and it's, it, but it's a small percentage, but that small percentage takes up a tremendous amount of your time oh, yeah. because, because you've got to do research on, well, you got to call the one guy. Why are you about to hit a, hit this guy? And you got to call the other guy. Why are you about to hit this guy or whatever? And you're dealing with, with with tons of pro tons of problems, um, when you go to Grand Lodge and and you look at the uh, the the advanced proceedings, here's what you do: you open it up and you turn to a page called Special Deputies. Yeah. Okay. Every one of those special deputies was appointed by the Grand Master because of a problem, because of a bad thing because of a maybe lodge merger is the most pleasant thing, okay, that yeah. you appoint special deputy on. And that doesn't count the number of times that the Grand Master had to work on the problem himself, that he had to do the stuff himself. Right. And 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 and, and I think that's why at the end of the terms you, you, you see grandmasters and their dressers I mean you, they start choking up and stuff because they have have truly taken the heat and burden of the day and bore it and at the end of the at the end of this term your emotions start just coming out because you've you've pinned up stuff all year because you oh, yeah. you had you had some tremendous last grandmaster i had some tremendous highs and some absolutely devastating lows oh, and, and, and 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 that's you personally and then you have to look at how's that affect your wife, how's that affect your family. The other thing that, that we're blessed with in Indiana is the grandmaster, the grand officers have a little stipend. And it's enough to, to help you carry a lot of your costs, but you still pay money out of your own pocket. Right. So 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 being grandmaster, going through Grand Lodge Line is not cheap. And and so you have to ask yourself on that, am I willing to, to take this money away from my family's do I have the discretionary income that I can take this money away from my family and not hurt my family? Right. And it's not cheap. I, I never turned in a gas receipt. The whole time I was in the Grand Lodge, even as Grandmaster, I never turned in a gas receipt because I was always using the stipend I had for a hotel or, or yeah. stuff like that. And it, because you get some money, but you don't get near enough to, to, to cover your costs. Yeah, I always wondered. I always wonder if Grand Lodge, at least the Grand Master, got something because he he traveled across country a lot of times. You go to other Grand yeah, Lodge yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll get they'll they'll give you some money for an for an airplane and and for a hotel. Yeah, and and but you got to pick up some others. I always tell people that the Grand Lodge was willing to give me a seventy four Corsica. Nice. <laughs> and, nice. And, and, and and this, but it uh, and it takes a toll on your 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 family oh, yeah. it, because oh, because it you're you, you and you got to ask yourself, is it worth it? And and 
John Grind, the late John Grind, who was okay, the late John Grind said this. I can't count the number of times I heard him say this. He goes, uh, I wouldn't take a million dollars for my experience as Grandmaster, but there is no way I'd ever do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm at the point in life, right, because I'm, I'm hoping to retire here in about five years, that if either of you boys could come up with a million dollars, I think I'd sell you my year's grandmaster so go. I could have that money, so I could have that money to use to retire oh, on, okay? Oh, yeah. so, so I'm a little different from John. I may sell mine yeah. uh, for, for that. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it uh, and i tell you the other thing it does, is it changes your personality a little bit. Oh, yeah? It does. It, it, I've yet to see a man go become grandmaster that there's something a little different about his personality than when he went in. And I'll tell you what it did to me. It, it made me cynical. Really? It, it, it made yeah. me cynical. Before I was Grandmaster, I, everything was rainbows and and uh, and and uh, unicorns, right? And and, and now I, I got a little edge, and it's because the, you're, the month of garbage you have to deal with, the guys fighting and just complaining. And Alan Roberts... Uh, uh, Alan Roberts, most prolific author of the 20th century, and um, I, I was and still am involved in some Masonic research, Masonic literary groups, and Alan was a leader of one when I was a very young Mason, and I got a chance to sit down and spend some serious time with him when I was junior warden. The first time I went through the lodge, I was junior warden. I was in my my as maybe 28, 29, maybe 27. And, and, and we were talking, we have been talking about everything I was active in and everything I was doing. And he says, boy, Roger says, boy, you do like this. You know what? You, you keep this up. You're, you're, you could end up something and do something. And he says, Roger, but I'm going to tell you one thing you're going to learn time and time again is that Masons are cheap and they love to bitch. Yes, they do. And, and I'll tell you what, I have learned that so many times the last 40 years. And, and and it and it drags you down. It drags you down. And and, and the thing about being grandmaster is brothers aren't hesitant to come up and tell you every terrible thing they think about Grand Lodge. And you're sitting there working hard and you're working hard for them. And you're like, I'm putting my heart and soul into this and you're telling me how I'm I'm a terrible person and, and this is all terrible and all the problems are because of us and and, and it 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 wears you down. It wears you down. And that's the downside. That's the truth of being Grandmaster. Yeah. They say, hey, you get you past Grandmasters all seem to get along, you seem to be buddies. And, and the reason we all is because we all went through the, we all went through the same so thing. You know, I call seriously, we all had the, the terrible thing. Mine was something. Gail Kemp's was something different. And, 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 uh, uh, Ken Willis's is different. And, yeah. and, uh, Danny Harrell's is different. But when we added up, it's still garbage and we still set with garbage. Yep. And, and so that kinds of bonds us together. Um, but it's being involved in the grand, being grandmaster is not. It looks glamorous at Founders Day and at Grand Lodge, and if a grandmaster comes to visit you, but that's just a few hours of the Grandmaster's week, and the rest of the time, he's dealing with money problems. He's dealing with 
problem maybe problems at the home he's dealing with lodges they're wanting to close or fighting people fighting and just and just stupid stuff just stupid yeah. stuff and it's that, that stuff wears on you it wears on you roger if, if but, you if you uh if you got a few minutes yet i don't know sure. what, yeah no i got i got all kinds of time well i just, I, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you guys i, I wanted to talk to you guys i got oh, a yeah. couple i got a few more questions i want to ask you please and, please uh, this was I knew this was going to be a good episode, so we didn't really set a timetable on this one. Sure. I, if this one you went go. two hours, it went two hours. Right. So I, I, I'm here to tell you, I could talk to you boys all day. Well, I mean, I, we're, the, we're I, the same guys. We're the same. We're the same guys. We're yeah. both from small town Indiana. We're the same oh, yeah. guys. So uh, yeah, so I can talk to you guys all day. Go ahead. You heard me and Todd joke before that we, you know, we we really just started this interview series towards the end of last season, and uh, we're still working out the you know what kind of format we're going to follow and i and i was while i was talking to you i was just thinking of a new question that we're going to throw into every interview going forward so you're going to be the guinea pig yeah <laughs> so throughout you know everyone's masonic journey we meet so many brothers and so many people but there's always that one person in particular that sticks out that had a major impact and a major influence on you during your masonic journey so the question I'm going to ask you is if you had to pick one brother in particular that made an impact on you, that made a major influence on you, uh, who would that be? And it gives you a chance to just kind of shine some light on somebody that means a little bit of something to you. Okay. Um, that's a hard, hard question. I, I've been very blessed that I've had some men that – you may not call them mentors, but they they gave me information, taught me things that, that changed my life and, and definitely set me on a course. And if I sat there and said one man, um, I'd have to break it in two because one, when I met him, he was at the end stages of his life. And that was Dwight Smith. And the man, Lodge the man research. living, Lodge research. Yeah, yep. Because I am a, and it's known among the Grand Lodge guys that I am a, a Dwight Smith devotee. Yeah. And 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 the other, um, again, possibly was Alan Roberts, and not necessarily personal because I knew Alan personally, but because of his writings because of his writings, I was very affected as a young Mason by the writings of Dwight Smith and Alan Roberts. And in my whole Masonic life, uh, my Masonic activity, my Masonic ideals, the, I, what I think of this fraternity, what I think it is and what it should be, all of it is found in the writings of Dwight Smith and Alan Roberts. My, my personal Masonic philosophy of, of this is a way the fraternity ought to be, uh, you can find in Dwight Smith and Alan Roberts. You know, talking about Dwight Smith, when Todd and I went to Founders Day, that was the first time I've went in the 15, 16 years I've been a Master Mason. And when we went up there to the uh, yeah, Lodge the, Research, yeah, the Dwight Smith Lodge uh, Research meeting. that was just... I grabbed a petition. I haven't filled it out. I mean, uh, Hodap said they meet only about twice a year. I've got the petition somewhere. When I moved a couple of weeks ago, I still got it. But 
uh, just, you know, walking around the, the museum up there and everything and talking and hearing people talk about Dwight L. Smith, I'm like, okay, this was, this was a, this was a Mason's Mason right here. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, Dwight, Dwight was an interesting person. And I'll tell you a little secret about Dwight. Oh, do tell. Dwight, no, seriously, <laughs> Dwight, Dwight, his writings, the way he wrote and things he said in his writings wasn't necessarily how he was personally oh really dwight dwight was a very introverted man and and dwight had a very small circle of people that he would call friends dwight was not really he he, he wasn't um a rick Elman. he wasn't a outgoing love everybody kind of he was a very personally quiet introverted man um who accomplished a lot because of his writing mm -hmm. incredible author incredible writer well I, I remember at the home uh, an old guy telling me an older man telling me that at the time that he asked dwight what would he want to be remembered as and dwight said i want to be remembered as a man of letters a man of letters authorship writing was dwight's dream that was his dream and that's what he did a lot of yeah. uh, much of the uh, we got a lot of materials today in our monitor and, and and some other uh, writings and a style of our proceedings all this is dwight smith dwight, dwight smith still has a hand uh, on the grand lodge of indiana yeah, he, um, he has touched me like like most of them most of the stuff written a monitor wasn't it written by dwight l smith uh, Dwight Smith and Lawrence Taylor. Okay. Dwight Smith and Lawrence Taylor. And I'll tell you another secret to that. What they did is they copied a lot of it out of Rob Morris's monitor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah. I see that. A lot, a lot of it is annotated, or you know, he he yeah. doesn't give credit to Rob Morris. You know, yeah. yeah. Rob, Rob Morris. And this is something that Rob Morris is the author of our ritual. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. All right. Hmm. Yeah. Ritual is different, a little different from state to state. Yeah, yeah. In the United States, our rituals is unique in that it's it's called the the, the Preston Webb family. Right. And what it was was Thomas Smith Webb back I think in seventeen ninety seven published a monitor that he that he took from. Uh, Preston William Preston's illustrations of masonry, and and he wrote one of the first monitors in in the United States. Now remember, <clears throat> this was a time when there was a definite distinction between what's secret and what's not not necessarily secret. What's right. what we would call esoteric versus exoteric, right? Yeah. And if it's in the monitor, you can print it out, right. and everything else, everything else. Remember, this is before cipher rituals yeah so it, it was all mouth to ear right i'm looking okay. at my grandfather's monitor that i carried after he passed away i retired mine <laughs> and his monitor is uh the 1975 edition whereas my original one from 2007 2008 was a 1997 edition but looking at grandpa's monitor here it says compiled by lawrence taylor 1975 yep, Lawrence Taylor was acting in the Grand Lodge. He was an employee at the Masonic Home. 
and and he comp and and the correct word is compiled. Compiled, yeah. Because he ripped off, I mean, you know, he took things from Rob Morris's monitoring and Dwight both. Yeah. And and so anyway, so so our ritual as well as almost all rituals except the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania in the United States is of the Preston Webb family of rituals. And and Rob Morris wrote our ritual and he got it from and he was taught it from a man by the name of Samuel Wilson. And I think Samuel Wilson I think was from Vermont. Okay. And Samuel Wilson learned it from a man by the name of John Barney who eventually ended up in Ohio, and he's a celebrated figure in Ohio Freemasonry. And the story is that John Barney learned it directly from Thomas Smith Webb. Oh, wow. And, and, and so Rob Morris would tell everybody, nobody in this country has the true Webb work but me, because I learned it from Wilson. Wilson learned it mouth the ear from Barney. Barney got it mouth the ear from Webb, and I'm the only guy that has it. Now, that <laughs> doesn't count the fact that Wilson, uh, in, in some letters, he said, yeah, but I think there's some stuff I forgot that, that John <laughs> Barney told me. <laughs> and so, but Rob Morris believed that he was the true owner of the true Webb work, and, uh, and 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 um, Rob, being Rob, Rob Rob Morris is one of my Masonic heroes. Right. But but Rob, but but I overlook his faults. <laughs> okay. Rob was a ter Rob was a terrible father. Oh. <laughs> he was he was a terrible father. He he uh, was an attorney, and he got the Masonic bug, and he decided that he was going to give up his law practice and a bunch of stuff and he was going to become a professional mason and and how he earned a living is that your lodge and this was a thing back in this time uh, uh, prior to just prior to civil war and after the civil war you would hire a because remember it's all mouth the ear right you would hire a brother to come and teach your lodge the work and Rob got paid traveling lodge to lodge and lodge to, to teach the work and to lecture. Todd, uh, we missed our column. We yeah, could be uh, doing masonry yeah, professionally. Masonry professionally. Okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and what they also did is they also created and, 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 and sold some what, what we call side degrees. AMD, we talk about AMD. Right. And AMD is basically some of the side degrees that a bunch of these traveling masons would sell so then the reason they called side degrees is after he taught you the ritual and everybody's going home he'd pull you to the side over here and he'd initiate a couple of you into the you know sun moon and star emperors the sun moon and star kind of stuff and he would right. have a degree that he made up right and he'd charge you some money and that was some extra money he made on top of your lodge fame come visit and and rob did this rob got went over to the holy land we're talking i think 1859 oh, he wow. goes to jerusalem and how does he he afford to go to jerusalem he invented this organization called palm and shell and he would charge you to join it and he got enough people to join it that paid for him to go to jerusalem and spend time in jerusalem nice. and that's and yeah that's how these guys did this stuff right mm -hmm. But, but Rob believed that he had the true ritual, and he organized, and this is hilarious, this is a funny story. He's in Kentucky, right? Right. And in 1860, 
he sends out notices around the country that the, the your ritual is terrible and you need my ritual. And he organizes a, a secret society. It's a secret society in a secret society called the Conservators, uh, of which they had a degree and it cost you money to join. <laughs> and, of course. And, this uh, guy was slick, Willie. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Rob was slick. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and this is something for you guys to look at in your own lodge. Seriously, I'm, I'm serious about what I'm telling you. Because he was big in southern Indiana, okay. um, and uh, and he wrote a ritual that he said was the true web work. Well, it became popular because he was popular in Indiana. Uh, he, he visited Grand Lodge several times in Indiana. Matter of fact, my farewell address at the closing of Grand Lodge before I turned it over for installation is I recited a poem that Rob Morris had recited on the floor of the Grand Lodge of Indiana. Um, I think it was just immediately after the Civil War. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, and it's uh, level in the square. And I recited that poem that, that he, his last visit to, to Indiana, one of his last visits to Indiana Grand Lodge, he had just written the poem, and he recited it on the floor of the Grand Lodge of Indiana. <laughs> and and uh, so Indiana's got a bunch of these guys that belong to this conservator thing, right? So they got all his, because he, he put it in cipher, so they all got this little booklet, and it was two books. One book was the cipher, and the other book was the key to the cipher. Oh, nice. The first master of my lodge, Farmer's Lodge, the first master belonged to the conservators. I, I found it going through some documents, listing some members from Indiana, and his name is there, Farmer's Lodge 147, David Conger. He was a subscribing, paying dues member of the Conservators Association. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> so, so this ritual was popular already in Indiana. So it's, a, well, I said he started in 1860, right? Right. Well, guess what happens in the in South Carolina in April 1861. <laughs> okay. <started> out. <laughs> yeah. And so his movement pretty much perished with the Civil War. Ah, okay. So it's you, interesting. Go go ahead. So you say every state's got the, the web rituals ever Pennsylvania. What's Pennsylvania does not. Yeah, I, I seen I seen not. a Pennsylvania Master Mason degree one time. They uh, came to Kokomo and put it on he and talks, he like talks about this a lot. He talks did, about this a lot. Where did they get their ritual from? Because it to is, tell you the truth, I'm not sure. I, wow. I, I suspect I suspect it's close. I don't know this for a fact. I suspect it's probably close to, to what's called the emulation ritual, okay. which is popular in Europe, in England. I need to ask. I know some guys in Pennsylvania. I suspect it's it's an older ritual from the ancients. Yeah. Uh, I would I would believe that. Because of their history of their Grand Lodge. But but I don't know exactly, but that's just a suspicion. And I need to find, that's a good question. I need to find out where yeah, the ritual comes from. Pennsylvania it is just, it's a long master base degree, and a master basically never shuts up the whole time. It's like, exactly. Well, how does this guy, yeah, and up there, there's no ritual, yeah. there's no written down ritual in, in Pennsylvania, as far as I know. It's all mouth no, I think ear. it's still I think it's still mouth of ear. It's like, yeah. wow, that is a lot to memorize just in the mouth of ear. Like, holy crap. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, but then uh, so what happened? The Civil War happens. Indiana, we've got this 
everybody's got their own version of a ritual. My lodge does it this way. My and little right. things like his grand lodge got tired of it. Grand lodge decides after civil war, we need to start having a uniform ritual. They, they argued about that for 30 years. Oh, and then finally, and finally in 1802 or 1902, the ritual committee says we have a ritual. And, and remember, this was everything's mouth the ear because you will not find in the 1902 proceedings where they asked Grand Lodge to approve a written ritual because there were Grand Lodges that were like, oh, you're a regular, you problems, you don't do that, it's all mouth the ear. Right. But in the handwritten minutes, they asked the Grand Lodge, we're going to tonight. I think it's 1902 and the Grand Lodge of 1903. Tonight, you guys stay late. Mystic Tide and a couple other lodges are going to exemplify the degrees for you. And we want you guys to, to say that's the official Indian ritual. So by 1903, we had a written ritual. And and the ritual committee and their reports talk about how, how, how hard it was to organize this and put it together and how much work they did. The truth of the matter is they opened up uh, one of Rob Morris's written mnemonics, which was what the ritual he sold through the conservatives. Right. They were still floating around. They're still floating around. They opened it up. They opened the key up, and they copied it verbatim, oh. word for word, <laughs> from, from Rob Morris's 1860 ritual that he yes. wrote that he claimed was the true ritual. And, and so, so I tell people all the time, we have the true web work because Rob Moore says we do. Yeah. And uh, everybody else's uh, work is irregular except ours. <laughs> and uh, we're the keepers of the truth. Yeah, I mean, I've and, seen, uh, I see other states do. I've seen, I see a fellow craft in Missouri, and I've yet to see anything in Kentucky yet. Missouri's pretty similar to us. I mean, they're AFAM, of course, but. Yeah, I mean, they, they got a little. There's a couple of lectures or some different. Yeah, they don't. Do I think they got lectures yeah, after, yeah. after the uh, any of the degrees. Yeah, yeah. work lectures, yeah, so yeah. that was a little different. But. but yeah, every state's got a little different quirk to it. But but just rest assured that Indiana's right, okay. and uh, and we've got the true web work, nice. and because uh, Rob Moore said so, right? And um, <laughs> but yeah, but the reason why I told you guys to look in look into your life. What year is your lodge chartered? Oh shoot, I have no idea. Charter's up there. My 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 original lodge was eighteen fifty one. Okay, so, look at at, at uh, especially some of the older lodges around there. Yeah. See if they'll if secretaries will let you spy on some of the old minutes, because Rob Morris was very popular. In Southern Indiana, I think in our, the 18, 1850s, 1860s, uh, oh, sorry, Robert, sorry, Roger. Um, our lodge is five seventy four, so we probably want to later. Yeah, it's probably pretty young. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll need a lodge number uh, around. I believe you'll need a lodge number probably be, below one eighty. Yeah, well, um, Okay, yeah, you'll need a lodge that was chartered in the. Uh, Chartered probably before 1870 to, to maybe see if Rob Morris paid a visit to your so lodge or something. It wasn't a lot around Dubois County until 1880. Yeah. I think yeah. Franklin yeah. was founded in 1870 or something like that. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not sure. I don't know if there's very many. So you look at three lodges in the county and a uh, line lodge yep. in 1964. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. William Hacker, William Hacker, who was from Shelbyville, and he was a uh, 
past grand master. He was a past grand high priest, past grand illustrious master. I don't think he was past grand commander. Wow. Uh, he had he was active also in uh, I think the the general grand royal archmasons. Oh, wow. He and Rob were he and Rob were buddies, real buddies. And as a matter of fact, one of Rob's books, one of his uh, maybe a monitor for another book, he has a dedication in there, and he men mentions William Hacker. So Rob made a lot of trips through here. Uh, because he and, and William Hacker were buddies. Mm -hmm. um, Hacker, I don't think he was Grand Secretary of the Grand Lodge. He was Grand, I think he was Grand Secretary of Grand Chapter Royal Arch for a while. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, he was the he was the man back in the day. But um, but yeah, it's just uh, when you look at at, at uh, Masonic history, the interesting thing about learning Masonic history, the way we do things today is not the way we've always done things. Yeah, I was always curious about how you, how Grand Lodge uh, officers got elected, and I always thought it was always funny that every year, in the back of my first joint, I was like, you know, it's funny how if you look at the Grand Lodge guys, always one from the north, one from the central, one from the south, and find one of the older past matches, well, that's, that's kind of how Indiana does it, so we don't have... You know, yeah, with that way we do it, so the, exactly. The time, yeah. Exactly. You know, exactly. I and, do know, like... And, uh, is it uh, Massachusetts? Don't they elect from the floor or something like that? And yeah, well, see, that's funny. Funny you should ask. Funny you should ask. What several states do, and Massachusetts does, is that you'll apply to be a, like a Grand Lodge officer, and, and they'll they'll have some of the old past Grand Masters. Well, uh, and I don't know if it's Matt. Massachusetts may or may not be this way because I, I, I was thinking there is a Grand Lodge. I thought it was out east. I thought it was Massachusetts. I may be wrong. But there are some Grand Lodges in which you've got well, where some past Grand Masters will vet and, and we'll say, okay, these are the brothers that will stand election mm -hmm. so that you don't run into umpteen ballots, right? Right, right. Now, Massachusetts, I think I'm telling you right because they're Grand Masters of multi-term Yes. Because you're a, a grand warden doesn't necessarily mean you're going to end up being a grand master. Oh wow! Okay, I, and and yeah, because I, I I think that they they do elect from the floor. I, I think that one I think it's Massachusetts that once you get elected deputy grand master, <coughs> I think that the chances are you'll get elected grand master at the time. But but. Uh, but electing from the floor, each Grand Lodge is different. Every Grand Lodge is different how they they do they do some of the stuff. Yeah, I know but what but there, but there's a going on. So. <laughs> I know that there's one Grand Lodge, and I I was thinking it was east, maybe it's south, where where the you you kind of apply, and and then some a, a, a committee of past Grand Masters will say, well, we'll vote on these three guys or these five guys or something like that, and. And they'll try to pick who they think was qualified. <laughs> group. All right, cool. Yeah, but, but you know, yeah, being great master is it's rewarding. It is rewarding, right? But it's rewarding, I think, because of, of the heart and soul you put into it, and, and you want and you do it because you ask, um, well, if it's got all this, why, why would a guy do it? And I think it's like. You do a lot of things in life. You agree to do it, and you agree to, to the sacrifices you know you're going to have to make because you truly believe that Freemasonry has the ability to improve men's lives. 
and you've seen it improve your life oh, yeah. and you're you're willing to do the work so that Freemasonry is perpetuated for generations yet unborn. Well, Brother Roger, I'm going to hit you with a question here, and then Todd's, Todd's going to hit you with one, and then we'll probably sure. start to put a bow on this. Oh, that's oh, okay. I can, I can go for, I can go for well, I mean, I could too, but we do have another guest lined up in about 45 <laughs> minutes. So, no, no big deal. He'll uh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll wait. Uh, what advice would you give to a potential candidate, somebody that's wanting to to come into masonry? They're, they're asking questions about it they're unsure you know i don't i hate to use the term because todd and i todd and i have a really you know ill feelings toward when people say the words selling freemasonry selling the fraternity we've talked about that in previous sure. episodes but how would you quote unquote sell freemasonry to somebody who has some interest in possibly becoming a newly obligated brother I think one of the best things you can do for him and yourself, but especially for him, what is he wanting? What is he wanting to get out? If he would join, why? What do you? What would you think you're getting from it? And I think his answer, he, he maybe stumbled. He's like, oh, I don't know. Um, but when he does come around to answers, I think that is where you can lead uh, to, to to what the next conversation is. If he goes, you know, I don't. He goes, I hear you can make good friends, or you know, if a guy says, well, I hear that uh, Masons make a lot of money, and I'm and then because that's not cool, right? It's not what it is. Matter of fact, yeah. just the opposite. Oh yeah, I, you know, just the opposite. It takes it, and 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 try to find out. I think that that when he's asking you questions i think it's good to ask questions back and say what are you looking for what what is it that that why would this be of interest to you what is going on with you um why are you interested in this well what do you see that that sparks your interest and i i think it's 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 not only just about giving him information it's about asking him questions Mm -hmm. because because if you ask the good questions, he will lead himself. If he's if he's truly interested, right? Okay. If you ask him the, the good questions, he will lead himself to. Yeah, I want to be a mason. That's pretty um, well put. That's. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Yeah, I, I'm talking to a guy at work right now. I'm actually training him on, on my job right now. He's a he's a youth minister up, uh, around French Lake. He's kind uh-huh. of a quieter little kind of nerdier guy. And he's I always wear the uh, proud to be a Freemasonry on my. Uh, I got a pocket protector to keep my pins in and on the front of it. Sure, sure. Proud to be a Freemason pin <clears> there from um, uh-huh. one of the Grand Masters pins and. Yeah, he's, like, he's like, oh, so you're a Mason? I go, yeah. He goes, well, I've heard some things about Masons. I said, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've heard the good. I'm sure you've heard more bad you have good. He goes, well, yeah. If you look on the internet, I'm like, yeah. If you look on the internet, you're gonna find that we're we're all we're all this, we're all that. You know, we're something. Said, Masons aren't supposed to have tattoos, exactly. as, as I have the square compass and G on the back uh, of my neck. And uh, you know, I just said, I said everything Fine. you get is is through perception. Some people who don't know anything about, it, they're gonna make up something because you know you're scared of what you don't know. And he's been kind of asking me more questions every every day, like, well. What else do you guys do? Well, you know, we help out the widows and orphans. We, we host podcasts. 
I said, we're just normal guys who are trying to make the world better through the teachings of Freemasonry. And said, what are the teachings of Freemasonry? I said, that's why you need to join so you can learn. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and he's so like, I'm trying to get him in there and everything. And he's like, well, you know, some people, they talk about devil worshiping. I was like, that's the farthest thing in the tree, blah, blah. And Roger, you know what I always say? If you said you've been listening to the show. My favorite thing is we ride the goat around the room. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. We exactly. ride the goat around the room at least once. Yeah, you, 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 you did. You guys just brought up something that that I did want to hit on because you had a you had a podcast on on an, on religious attacks on Freemasonry. Yeah, right. And, and and what I wanted to call in, I wanted to be a longtime listener, first time caller. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I wanted to call into your hotline. Um, back in the early nineties, the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, was taken over by by some some people that 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 claimed that one of the things they claimed were anti-masons, yep. and they tried to drive uh, Freemasons out of Southern Baptist Convention, and it ended up going just the opposite. And Southern Baptist Convention said we got no opinion on it. As a matter of fact, the man that wrote uh, the opinion, Gary Leisure. Yeah. Uh, later became a Freemason. Later became a Grand Lodge officer in his jurisdiction. And wow. he was not a Freemason. He was not a Freemason when he wrote the report for the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, how's that for um, irony? Yeah. yeah. Now, um, well, what's interesting, that was also the era of John Robinson's writings. If you're familiar with John Robinson's writings, uh, his book, Pilgrim's Path, was written as a rebuttal for Freemasons to, 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 to argue against the the anti-masons now the one thing i learned about anti-masons that because you're right you got the lunatic fringe the conspiracy theory nuts and then you got the then you got the guys that i call the professional anti-masons and and uh and they are the ones that that you can't be a christian be a freemason right. blah 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 yeah you and, and 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 i uh, had a situation where i had a friend that left freemasonry and I had a friend that I was able to keep in Freemasonry because both of them were troubled. And the one that stayed ended up going to a different church and one left the fraternity. And um, and it was a difficult time. And I myself, I, I will tell you, I myself, you go through this, is it? And I tell you what sold the case for me is two things. If if your listener is a Christian, the two things that prove to me that not only <clears throat> that, that Freemasonry is compatible with Christianity, it also told me, taught me that in my faith, that Freemasonry reinforces Christianity because of the words of Jesus, the words of Christ in the Gospels, and the book of James. In James, he talks about fruit and trees. James writes of fruit and trees, and he talks about good trees bear good fruit, bad trees bear bad fruit, and he's making a simile <clears throat> that a bad tree cannot bear good fruit no more than a good tree would bear bad fruit. Right. And I look at Freemasonry's fruit, and I see that it's good. So therefore, I have to believe that the tree of Freemasonry is good because of, of what James wrote 
and that when I look at the words of Christ, and uh, and, and and when you when you study some of this stuff, um, does it give you a different perception of, of Christianity? And, and it, I think it deepens your 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 faith, and I think it helps you to understand that <clears throat> that from a religious standpoint. Is true when we say that Freemasonry is a handmaiden of religion, mm-hmm. because as you study Freemasonry, you want to become more of a man of faith. I, I, I believe, and and I think that I am a better Christian. I'm a better Christian uh, because I'm a Freemason. Oh yeah, I absolutely believe that. I know That's what, something else too that I've been telling people. You know. When, you know, everybody's like, you know, you've been back active in Lodge two years. I see all your Masonic posts. I don't know anything about it. But, you know, I'm like, it's uh, my return to this has made my return to this has, you know, fulfilled something inside of me. But it's also improved my relationship with God. Well, how is God tied into this? Is it a religion? No, we are not a religion, but religion is a part of what we do. In a way, well, because because we tell a man, we tell a man you should you should keep your faith, you should work your faith, you should live your faith, right? Right. right. One of the first things we ask him when he comes in, where you put your trust, right? Exactly. Okay, it's one of the early questions of Freemasonry. One of the first things we do on Canada is we we pray over them, right? Mm-hmm. We ask God to give this candidate wisdom, give this brother wisdom. And and we don't tell you how to worship God. Nope. Freemasonry doesn't tell you how to worship God. Freemasonry says you should worship God. You should worship your faith. You should practice your faith. I, I had an anti-Mason say, well, the problem with you Masons, you say all, all religions are equal. I said, no, we do not. Mm-hmm. We don't say that at all. What we say is... <clears throat> I have an equal right to practice my faith as you have an equal right to practice your faith. Exactly. We don't say all religions are equal. We say you have an individual right to practice your faith as you want, and that right is the same right I have. That's what Freemasonry says. Yep. yep. That's true. But it's saying like every man's able to control his own life. That's right. Self righteous, self responsibility. Right. Right. Yep. Pretty Couldn't much. have said it any better. I mean, yeah, no, it, no, it, uh, no, Norman Vincent Peale, yeah. 1968, 1968, the Grand Lodge of, uh, of Indiana held its 150th anniversary mm-hmm. and they had a big deal. They really put in, I'll give them credit. They, they put a big deal into this. I wish we had done this when we had our 200th because they put some serious time and money into this. And they had this, 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 they went to Clues Hall in Indianapolis, rented Clues Hall, invited guys, just come and hear, we're going to talk about Masons, and we're going to, Norman Vincent Peale is going to come, and he was a Freemason, yeah. and, and, and he came and spoke, and, and I've heard it on tape, I heard a brother that was there tell me this story umpteen years ago, but I heard, I found the tape of it at the Grand Lodge Archive at the oh, wow. Library Museum, <laughs> yeah. Library Museum, I found, and I played it and I heard it. And, and and what Norman Vincent Peale said stuck with me, and I think it says my life, too. He said, to the effect, other than being a sinner, 
saved by the grace of God, the greatest thing I can say about my life is that I'm a Freemason. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty profound right there. That's <laughs> And that came from Norman Vincent Peale's mouth. Yeah. You know, and I'm sitting there going, that's my life, too. That's 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 what I can say about my life, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm a better person for being a Freemason. I know that before I joined, I was just a crazy kid. And, you know, didn't no, I mean, to didn't have a good time. And once I got to Freemason, I'm like, okay, well, now I got to set the I got responsibility. Nah, you still got now. some wild oats. You're a grotto boy. You know, you uh, <laughs> yeah. we've talked a lot about your grotto on this show. I know about you boys. I never did anything I was embarrassed about. <laughs> <laughs> or anything I couldn't apologize yep. for. <laughs> yep. No, but, no, I, I, mean, uh, I, I it, it changed my life tremendously, and I know my parents noticed it right away because you know I was taking it so serious. My dad never, my dad was never a, a, a he was a member, he was a mason, and everything, but he never was a uh, he didn't like go to meetings. He thought the sure. meetings were boring. He didn't want to be there. I take him to the degree work and. Second section, he stayed down in the dining room and eat, eat the pie before everybody else got to it. You know? <laughs> so, uh, he, seeing me go to meetings and getting in chairs and the officer's chairs and become a master and everything, they're like, you have, you're like a totally different person now. I was like, well, yeah, because I got, I got these rules to live by now. You know, I, <laughs> I joke I joke a lot, but I'm at least 50% serious when I say the only reason I came back was just to eat. Like, Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we like to eat, and I, I was, I'm, I'm a very well-rounded boy. I mean, yeah. well, you guys were talking. You were talking to Michael Neely. Michael Neely brought up my knife and fork degree. Oh yeah. See, there's a thing that that I found on the internet umpteen years ago, and I don't know where it came from. But it's this thing called knife and fork degree. It's a little joke degree. Yeah, I've heard. And, of and, and it, it's 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 funny, and and you can still find it on the internet. And so I would go to lodge. We'd have a dinner and. And stuff and I do this the knife and fork degree and I'd initiate guys in the knife and fork degree and and it was it was it was a blast it was so funny and uh, um, but there's nothing wrong with that either I, no. I, I, there's an old there, there's an old Jewish an, an old Jewish saying that you cannot hate the man with whom you break bread that's right and, and, and I think that that there is something about the communal meal there, there's something about getting together with friends over a meal. There's something about having a Masonic meal together. Uh, there's something special about a table lodge or a festive board right. that 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 solidifies and improves your friendship and your fellowship. And I don't think uh, we all make jokes about the green bean. I, I told I, I told this when I was green. When I was grandmaster, I told this, and I swear there are some brothers that believe I was going to do it. I told them that one of my recommendations at Grand Lodge was going to be replace the acacia with the green bean, and the sentence and the sentence would be, "But the green bean has such a long root." And, and, and there were guys. They were there's a couple of boys. A couple of boys were starting to get mad at me. I think they thought I was dead serious, right? Whoa. But they're. There's nothing. <laughs> Masons get together. They ought to eat. Okay. They ought to eat. Well, someone asked me. He said, "What's the secret of Freemasonry?" I was like, "We'll take the pancake recipe. We can't. We don't give it to everybody. We don't give that. That's, that's right. <laughs> you know, that's right. You know, uh, Freemasons. We're taking over the world one pancake at a time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, recently, we had a a soup fundraiser up at our lodge, and we just kind of oh, threw, wow. we okay. threw it together. Last week, kind of be supposed to be a competition, but we really there was no no competition at all. And we thought, well, if we have 15 people show up, we'll be lucky. 
we we had like over forty five people show up just to sample all these different soups everybody brought in. You're like, kidding like, me! Like we have got to start doing this more because everybody, everybody stuck around, had fellowship, and everybody had a good time doing it. Not me. I was moving. Yeah, you were moving. Yep, yep, yep. And then I still got <laughs> asked if I was coming down <laughs> to help work the dinner. I'm like, yep. I'm moving. There was no work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, does the name Jim Banal? Do you guys know the name Jim Banal? No, I don't. Jim, I back when I was a, back when I was in my twenties, I, like I said, I was real active in New York. Right, Jim Banal was from down around Bird's Eye, and and Jim was an officer in uh, in Grand Commander. He passed away while he was an officer, but he was wonder wonderful man. I whenever I think of your area, I think of uh, of Henry Huff and. And uh, and Jim Bennell and those guys, yeah, because those are the guys I, I remember when I was young. There was there and, was two uh, Henry Huffs actually. I didn't know if oh, you knew that. that right? There was no, uh, I did not. Henry F and Henry T. Henry, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the one that was worthy grand patron a few years back. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. Mm. I don't know that. I know the, that. the one I remember was a kind of a short, stocky man, real thinning, dark hair, because he was older when I knew him, type of thing. My favorite story from your from Bird's Eye area, and I don't. Okay, is there the town English? Is that close to you? That's uh, that's Crawford County. That's pretty close. Okay. That's about a twenty minute okay. drive. Yeah. Okay. Which uh, it must have been the, the latter Henry Huff had invited Max Carpenter. Max Carpenter was Grand Secretary when I was Grandmaster. Max was a, absolutely got. That was another man that made an, an incredible impact upon me. Oh, yeah. But 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 Max, greatest story. He, he was down there English, right? And they were having this celebration. Henry invited him, and and he was down visiting guys at Bird's Eye and 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 such. And and so they were there and. Max was going to ride in this convertible that, that Henry had gotten to borrow to because to, Max was a grandmaster, and they were going to ride in the parade as the grandmaster when Max was grandmaster, right? And he, uh, and I'll, I'll say this, and hopefully you guys won't have to beat me out, but I'll say that he, he, he looks up, and they got these beautiful young ladies, right? And they're in gowns and stuff, and they are obviously the princesses of the of the festival right and one jumps off this uh, to the, uh, jumps off this uh, this convertible gets over he starts yelling just yelling jeremy get your ass over here now <laughs> she turns around and she's got a ribbon across her of course a sash and says miss congeniality Max Max loved to tell that story about that about your part of the state. Oh. Miss congeniality. <laughs> well, brother Roger, we're gonna we're gonna end on this. Uh and uh this obviously uh I'm I'm gonna speak for Brother Todd. Uh, you will be a future return guest on the show as well because we've only not even scratched the surface on any amount of things we can talk to you about. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I I can spend all day talking to you guys. The, the last question we're gonna we're gonna ask sure. you is uh, one okay. that we started uh, with Brother Phil, and this is gonna be kind of the closer for every interview we do. Uh, when the time comes and your Ashler's perfect and you lay down your working tools. What do you want people's lasting memory? What do you want people to say about your impact for the fraternity? Your, you know, basically your memory of 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 you. What do you, 
hope that it is or what you want it to be or i i'm hoping i'm hoping that uh sir lowing me into the ground someone will say and he heard the welcome words well done good and faithful servant you turn to that choice of thy lord i i hope that is said of me oh yeah i don't think you have to worry about that roger but that's just my opinion (laughs) yeah so Roger, I, I want to thank you for being on here today. It's been a great, it's been a pleasure having you on. I love listening oh, to you speak. I always have love listening to you speak. I think you have some of the. You know, I'm on a, best such points. a natural high oh, yeah. right now. Like not not only was this <laughs> awesome to talk to, uh, you know, he might be from a little bit more central northern part of the yeah. state, but he's a good old redneck like us. Yeah, yeah that's right. And uh, and, he, I, and I, I'm going to admit something to you. What's that? I, I, Right before you wrote me and said, hey, can you be on our show? I'm just going to sit there and go, would these boys think that I was being arrogant if I wrote them and said, is there a chance maybe I could be on your show sometime? <laughs> fist bump, Todd. Fist bump. That's awesome. So anytime you want to come on. You well, we, we've shouted you out, I, and I know you've heard yes. it. We've mentioned yeah. you yes. on, on you know yes. future or past yes. episodes, and yeah. we were talking off air, and uh, – what we were what we were gonna do? We recorded last uh, last weekend. We got a couple episodes, and I'm like, Todd, I'd like to get three or four more episodes in the camp because of our schedule so busy. Oh yeah. What we try to do is uh, knock out two or three marathon sessions where we get about four or five episodes in the can because it takes so long for us to get back together. And we were trying to find hey. content, and I said, I said, I want to get Roger Van Gordon on the show. And Let me ask you a question. I was thinking about your show, right? Right. And I worked up I worked up a list of a dozen names of guys here in Indiana. Send it to us. That I would that I would love to hear you guys interview. Send it to us. Yeah. We will and, we will and, do our best. And, and 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 they've got interesting stories and interesting things to say. Oh yeah. And uh, well and I'm sure I'll one what, of them Roger, I'll tell you what, what I will do that for you, but I need you to do a favor for us. Okay. I need you to kidnap Bridegroom so we can get him on the show because for some reason, Bridegroom has had this profound impact on me in the last year or so, and I want to sit down and talk to him, but I never, I don't, I, I guess I've been too scared to reach out. So if you can convince Bridegroom to come on the show, we'll interview every single person on your list. Okay. I, I will do that. No, no, I'll, I'll make, I can, I will make that happen. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you, we're, I, I punched on bridegroom, you know, bridegrooms, I think in his forties or so. And, yeah, and so bridegroom, he, he's a, he's a dude, right? Yeah. He's a dandy. He's oh, a yes. dandy. Oh yes. And, and so he, uh, we were in a meeting with a group of guys and, and, and we're out, uh, out just chat, chatting and stuff like this. And, and so I came in the middle here and I said, so John, how, how old are you going to be when you're a grandmaster? And, and it's, I can't remember. He's like 48 or something like that. He said, and I said, huh? I said, huh? I was grandmaster when I was 42. (laughs) 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 And so, so uh, I I definitely, that that won't be hard for me to do because, because I'll, I'll point out to John, I'll point out to John that, uh, that I was on your show, and and that since he always follows me around, this would be another opportunity for him to follow me. <laughs> Roger, I got a, I got a, I got another quick question for you, just for my own personal, you sure. know, humor. Todd and I talk a lot about HODAP, 
and uh, he uh, yeah. he interests me a lot. So you being, you know, part of the Grand Line in the past and everything, and and you know, you're always around. What's Hodap like in in person? Is he? I mean, he's is he as genuine as he seems? Because he seems like one of the most genuine human beings you'll ever meet. Well. I'll tell you a story about Chris Hodap. And this is this is one of those almost like a Todd Whaley kind of story, <laughs> coincidence story. I I this is back in the day. I mean, we're talking in the 1990s. The internet was still still starting, and me and another brother put together the Grand Lodges, the first website for the Grand Lodge. And I grant you, it was amateurish. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but but. We're talking 1996 or whatever. Oh, okay. Old school. And, yeah. and, 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 and we put a oh, website. We put a website for Grand Lodge. And one of the buttons was, um, tell me more about the Masons kind of thing. Right. And one day I get, and, and the emails came to me. And it was from a man by the name of Christopher Hodap. And he had told me that he had always been arrested in the Masons. And he had recently come back from a trip to Texas his where his his stepfather, yeah. his father-in-law passed away. Right. And, and, and the thing that impressed him was here was a group of men that, that really didn't know his father-in-law, but they put on an impressive ceremony. They pronounced his name correctly. Everything was good and correct. And the, pre, the minister they hired couldn't get the, 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 the man's name right twice. Yep. Okay. And that he was interested in knowing about more about the Masons. And I'm sitting there going, ooh, Broad Ripple needs a candidate. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and so I call him up and I, I, and I talk to him and talk to him and, and, and end up getting him to Broad Ripple. And the, the rest is history. And brought in his friend Nathan Brindle with him. And Nathan, both of these guys are best friends of mine. Oh, yeah. um, and, uh, and, uh, Chris Hodap is simply wonderful, and matter of fact, Chris Hodap uh, was the number one name on the list I've been sending you. Yeah? All right, and I will make sure he needs to be. He he has to be on your show. That would be an be absolute honor. Yeah. Like I'm on cloud nine. Just the fact that we got to talk to you and. You know, well, I know you're you're gonna you're gonna laugh. Trust at this. me, that's, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> talking to me is not a big deal. It, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. It also speaks to this, you know, and I don't want to toot our own horn a little bit, but toot toot. I mean, <laughs> the show is taking off. We are catching fire. We have yeah. people talking to us all the time. Like you guys are, you know, got a rocket ship attached to you. All this, all this good good stuff that we like to hear. And then, well, here we go. We just had one of the best interviews we've ever done with oh, yeah. a past grandmaster. And he's like, I got a whole list of guys you ought to talk yeah. to. And it's yeah. just, you know, yeah. If I thought, no, I'm serious. It, I, I, I just off the top of my head, I came with 12 names and I said, these guys have got to interview these people. And oh, that, yeah. and that's another thing too, that Todd, you know, we decided what would be easy for us was we do 15 or 16 episodes. We call it a season. And then we take like a two or three week break and start again. So when we come up with that idea, we were finishing up last season, which would be about the time we did the interview with Wes Reuter from At Refreshment Podcast. Yes, yes, and, uh, I enjoyed that one. Todd, yes. said, uh, Todd said, well, if we're going to do this by season-wise, Todd said, I got an idea. He said, why don't we do season two, uh, and we'll do it every season, but why don't we make the majority of season two an interview series? And he said, and then we talked about it a little more, and then Todd pitched it to me. It's like, you know, eventually – everybody's going to lay down their working tools 
and yeah. some of these guys that we're trying to get are some of the older more you know experienced members of the craft who who knows how long they have left and when they go their stories go with them their experiences yes. go with them and then yep. also on the flip side of that you know there's going to be family and loved ones that miss these people want to hear their voice again well here we've got this preserved on audio yep. tape out yep. in the real world for them to listen to yep. at any time and i came up with the idea because yep. my dad passed away suddenly back in 2013 and Okay. Yeah, he never met my he actually he died uh, two weeks before my daughter was born, so she never got to hear his voice, never got to see him. Sure. Like, we don't have any recordings of my dad's voice because we no, never I, did. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh. well, if I could do that for one grandkid, one wife, one you know son, right. daughter, whatever, to be able to hear their father's voice again, it, it's worth yeah. dying to me because I would yes. love to be able to hear my dad's voice again. But like no, I said, I, there's no I, recording of it, so I thought, well, let's try doing this, and you know. I'm sure people would really enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to give you guys a big head, but 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 you guys are you guys are doing you guys are doing some important stuff, and and you may not think so, but I'm telling you, five years from now, ten years from now, you're going to look back and you're going to say, uh, uh, "We did good work. We did mm-hmm. good work." Todd, I just had an idea. There we go. We're <laughs> we're strike. Okay, Roger. One of the things we want to do this this season. Is we want to talk to it doesn't matter what state it's from, what jurisdiction. We'd like to get somebody affiliated with a Prince Hall Lodge. Yeah. Roger's got connections to Masons all yeah, over the world. Hey, um, so right there's me, what we need to do. Um let me let me look into that for you. Yeah. I yes, would appreciate it. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a Prince Hall brother that I'm I'm friends with and uh, we, we still see each other often. You know what and, amazes uh, me about Prince Hall? This is the biggest thing that amazes me, and, and I talked about this in past episodes. It doesn't matter if it's a monthly stated meeting or it's degree work. Them guys are dressed up to the suit to the, to the, to every time. Stated meeting or degrees. Their their practice of Freemasonry is different, and they, I'll, I'll give them credit, they take it serious. They take it serious. Oh, yes. And uh, no, I think I can. Uh, let me work on linking you up. There's a okay. uh, there's a there's a brother that uh, uh, was Grandmaster Prince Hall about the same time I was, and uh, and let me see if I can can get you somebody. But, uh, yeah, let me let me, let me write that down. See that too. Um, <laughs> well, Roger, but, send, yeah, yeah, send me that list, and then uh, uh, yeah, I got it, and I'll you, send it to you. Send you, me your email. Did, I, did you send me your no, email address? No, I forgot to do that. We'll, yeah, we'll okay. send you. Yeah, we'll send you. Send, send me your email address, and I'll send you this list. And, uh, oh, here's the other thing I was going to recommend you do. Okay. And I'm dead, ser- I'm dead serious about this. All right. And this is this would be cool for you guys to do. You need to have a practice. You need to put this in practice that after the Grand Lodge annual communication, your first interview is the new grandmaster and you just start asking him what's going on, what you doing, what you believe in, blah, 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 yeah. this kind of stuff. Where's grand lodge going? And, and, and I think that if you would interview into a habit, cause Gary Brindley's a good talk. Gary Brindley's a good guy. Yeah. And, and I think he was on my list for you guys to talk to, cause hopefully he'll be the next grandmaster. Todd, I, and see, I, you, think I it, see you smiling right now. And all I'm going to say, and I'm, I, I'm cutting, Ro- I'm, cut, <laughs> I'm cutting Roger off for this so I can make my point. I see you smiling. <laughs> 
I'm giving you the equipment to go to Grand Lodge since I can't go because of right surgery. Yeah. He's going to be a busy man in Gr- Grand Lodge. If you want to interview Brindley, that's fine. But you set it up for after Grand Lodge so I can be a part of it. Do okay. not do this without me. <laughs> yeah, okay. You guys, because I'm telling you, you, you talk about a hit. If you guys are every year the first guy to – if you guys are every year the first guys to interview you, the new grandmaster, that uh, I think you'd have that be a coup. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> and, and it can happen. I'm telling you, oh, it can yeah. happen. All right. Well, Roger, if happen. you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, introduce yourself to the listeners one more time because it has been a pleasure sure. having you. Me Absolutely. and Todd are on cloud nine right now. Oh, yeah. So introduce no, no. yourself one more yeah, time before sure. we let you go here. Sure. Uh, I'm Roger Van Gordon. Um, I'm an Indiana Freemason. I live here around Columbus, Indiana. I was Grand Master. I was was blessed to be to serve this craft as Grand Master in 2002, 2003, and I still do a lot of work in Freemasonry. And uh, Freemasonry, uh, the philosophy, reinforces my my religious faith, and without a doubt, I think it has made me a better person. It's without a doubt, and, and uh, that's right. Awesome, Roger. With your permission, uh, I still haven't decided, but I'm leaning towards doing it. Uh, once we uh, stop recording on this episode later on this week, when I go into post production, I'm probably going to, uh, you know, and I don't think Grand Lodge will mind. I'll probably uh, play a little bit of the audio from Founders Day at the end of this episode. Uh, yeah. So, well, I, I, I asked. Brian- and and Dave Hostler to go ahead and put it on the YouTube channel for Grand Lodge, yes, and, but they want me to they 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 expect me to pay him some money, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I'm broke because I'm paying all these dues. Right, right. And going to be a future guest on the show. He's already oh, talked about later on this it. year. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, that was another name <laughs> on my list. There you go. Great yep. minds think alike. Well, uh, Roger, we tremendously appreciate the time today, brother. We really do. Oh, I, this was, and, and in all sincerity, I do want to come back sometime in the future. Absolutely. And talk to you guys more and talk to you guys more. And maybe maybe we can talk about just what's going on in the fraternity, what's going on in Grand Lodge, stuff oh, yeah. like that, and have some real kind of in-depth uh, talk about uh, the world we live and Freemasonry's place in it. Absolutely. All right. Well, awesome. Uh, Brother Roger, it's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll be in thank touch. You. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank bye-bye. you. Mom, bye-bye. Bye, Roger. All right, Brother Todd, that was... Uh, that was flipping that awesome. That was fist bump. Man, I'm on cloud Wait, nine. Kid, uh, this is our longest episode of date right now. We're uh, at two hours and 17 minutes. <laughs> man, that boy can do talking, I'll tell you what. I, I, but, man, <laughs> i tell you what, I loved it. And I, you know what? I think this points. episode's going to fly through our because oh yeah of who he is and everybody i don't i've never met anybody anywhere that could say anything bad about roger oh i haven't either so i don't think people mind this long episode that's going to get longer if i go ahead and put this founder's yeah. day presentation well, behind I think it you should because i think that's a good reputation of you know what freemason needs right now you know that, yeah that's that speech if everybody listens to that they take the words to heart it's they're gonna understand a little bit better oh absolutely so uh 
I guess we'll we'll put a bow on this one. And uh, we're, Todd and I are Todd and I are one down of three to four today. It's uh it's uh, four twenty one p.m. We're gonna take about a ten minute break, and we got another one lined up. Lined up. That's right. All right. So for brother Todd, I'm brother Jared. Brother Jared. And uh, this has been another episode of that other Masonic podcast. Not that one. Not this one. The other. one. The other one. And we will see you guys next time. Peace. Peace. All right, guys. So here I am in post production. As I said, uh, if you guys want to uh, to find this, uh, you can get on uh, Facebook. Uh, I would recommend getting on YouTube. You can find it on Facebook as well, but get on YouTube and check out the uh, Indiana Grand Lodge and just search for Founders Day 2023, and that is where you can see Cassius was right from past Grandmaster Roger Van Gordon. But me being the good guy that I am, I don't know if I'm going to play the whole thing. Uh, I didn't get a, I didn't get to see this live at Founders Day. By this point in the day, uh, Todd and I were back out on the mezzanine, working the room, introducing ourselves. That was where we were uh, using our platform to to help uh, Job's daughters and the Rainbow Girls and Demolay. But we're going to do a little bit of a watch along here. So uh I always get my pro wrestling reference into uh we're going to follow suit with uh Conrad Thompson here. We're going to go one we're going to go 3 2 1 play and then when I say play you hit play. So what you're going to do uh is you're going to fast forward your video to the 3 hour 38 minute and 43 second mark. Three hours, 38 minutes, 43 seconds. So uh, I'll let you get there. Oh, I'm going to mute my phone. And uh, I assume I have permission from the Grand Lodge of Indiana, but just in case I don't, uh, all copyrights go wherever. But since uh, we're the only Masonic podcast in the state of Indiana and Grand Lodge loves us, uh, that's why they've asked us to be at found, uh, at uh, the annual communications, which, of course, I won't be there, but still. Uh, so, shout out to Grand Lodge. So, here we go. Make sure your uh, marker is queued up at 3 hours, 38 minutes, and 43 seconds. And when I say play, so let's get ready. 3, 2, 1, play. Gotta find that point in the center here. Yeah, I was a break time. I was going through my phone, right? I, I, and I admit I, I am tied to this thing. My wife Patty's got this meme. Shows a guy getting out of his coffin saying, I forgot my phone. She thinks it's hilarious. She sends it to me every now. What are you doing about it, right? You know, um, Gary Brindley got up, showed some slides, talked about things, but the point he was really making, and if you looked at these numbers, Gary told you that there are more men in your hometown that would be interested in Freemasonry 
that are members of your lodge. So when we look at the state of the world, and, and we look at the state of Freemasonry, then Cassius was right. Cassius was right. What is the future of your lodge? What is the future of your lodge? And what are you doing about it? Yeah, we've had 60-some years of declining membership. Now, I grant you that all community organizations, be they churches, be they Rotary, be they the American Legion, be they the Lions, all community organizations have had declining membership during this time. Now, back in my day, we blamed it on television. We said, boy, if it wasn't for television, we'd have lodges full. It wasn't true then, still's not true. Still's not true. Yes, society became more isolated during those times. Those of us of that age, remember that the baby boomers were called the me generation. The me generation. And yes, people did leave institutions. Yes, community did not was not as important because I'm important. It's all about me. It's all about the I. So I don't need to belong to a community of anything because it's all about me. But you know what? This is true. This is history. It waxes and wanes. Throughout American history, you can see this movement forwards and backwards. If you love American history, you're probably familiar with many historians, scholars refer to the current era as the Second Gilded Age. A period of tremendous technological advances widening disparity between rich and poor, feeling of personal isolation, the importance of the individual liberty to the detriment of his community. You can read comments made about the Gilded Age and it sounds like it's made today. But what do we know? Society waxes and wanes. Society waxes and wanes. Following the Gilded Age came a period of 60 years of which community became important. And one result of that, during that 60 years, Freemasonry grew four times, fourfold. And, and other groups... It was the start of many of the civic organizations started during those, those times, the early before World War I. So where does that leave us now? Where? We're seeing society change. I was watching a CBS uh, uh, Sunday morning uh, last Sunday, and uh, there was a, a man on there, a noted psychologist, and he was talking about how unhappy Americans are how unhappy Americans are. 
And the reason why is because they feel isolated. And he was talking about how friendships create a form of happiness. And we look at Freemasonry. We look at Freemasonry. Now, now what's the line to make its votaries wiser, better, and consequently happier? What's the future of your lodge? What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Are you friends with your brothers in lodge? Are you helping them become wiser, better, and consequently happier? Does your lodge, as it says in our installation ceremony, communicate happiness? Does your lodge communicate happiness? There are men, we know there are men in your community, more men in your community that would be interested in Freemasonry if they understood it, knew about it, and what are you doing about it? Is your lodge a happy place? Is your lodge truly teaching and practicing the art of Freemasonry? Why? Because Cassius was right. 300 years ago, Anderson's Constitutions were published, 1723. Why is that important? Because Freemasonry was, as we know it today, was still forming. And what Anderson's Constitutions did is it gave us basically the form, fit, and function of Freemasonry as we know it. It really took Freemasonry from early stages, and it wasn't just a step evolution, it was a leap evolution done by men of action, men who got things done because Cassius was right. We're celebrating Founders Day. When the lodges here in, in Indiana, primarily southern Indiana, of course, came together at Madison, they, they, a group of them had met at Lexington the previous summer at the Grand Lodge of Kentucky and said, oh, we should have a Grand Lodge in Indiana. And then in Corydon in this, the previous December, just about a month ago, at the state legislature, they got to, some of them got together again and goes, oh, we need to have a Grand Lodge in Indiana. A few weeks later, they decided for whatever reason to hold it in January instead of waiting until the warm weather. But anyway... They decided in January, that's the prime time to do this, to meet Madison and form the Grand Lodge of Indiana. Men who got things done. Men who were bold. Men who were builders. Men who were Freemasons. Because Cassius was right. Your lodge, your lodge's future, think of your lodge's future. When you leave here today, what are you going to do? What is your lodge's future? And what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Is your lodge truly teaching and practicing? The art of Freemasonry, does it make its votaries wiser, better, 
and consequently happier. Communicate happiness. <laughs> What's the line again? Uh, by improving the character of the individual man, uh, Freemasonry improves the community. Dave Hostler talked about community, talked about servant leadership. Uh, there's an idea. Everything David talked about is Freemasonry, is it not? Talked about community in his talk as well. Society is not going to devolve into some dystopian nightmare of civil war and all this because we've had these issues before. We've overcome them. We're going to overcome what we're going through right now. And people will realize that it's coming together in community. Knowing who your neighbor is is important. Selfishness is destructive. Being part of something bigger than yourself is important again. And we need to be there to offer Freemasonry. As we have in this state for over 200 years now. And we can. But Cassius was right. What is the future of your lodge and what are you doing about it? Gary gave us some great information. Dave Hostler and John Bridegroom brought up excellent points for us to do and move forward. See, Bates even talked about something as simple as calling up the members of your lodge just to see how they are. Just to connect with them. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be brothers? Treat one another like brothers? And maybe that's what these men who are not Masons are looking for. Going forward, what's the future of your lodge? What are you doing about it? Why? Because Cassius was right. You remember back in high school, English lit, uh, you started reading some different plays, started looking at Shakespeare, probably had to do Romeo and Juliet, uh, but Julius Caesar is always a popular one. And if you remember in the play Julius Caesar, there at the early part, remember, uh, beware of the eyes of March. Remember, Caesar goes in, he's having his triumph, he goes into the Colosseum. Antony offers him the crown of Rome three times, three times. Caesar pushes it back. And the, the whole Colosseum just swoons for the greatness of Caesar. The whole time, Cassius and Brutus are there on the mezzanine complaining. Well, it's... Honestly, they're not complaining, they're whining. They're whining. And they're whining, asking, why is it that Caesar's the great man and not one of them? 
Why Caesar? And then they start telling each other stories. A time when they jumped into the river Tiber with Caesar and Caesar was afraid he was going to drown and he was screaming. And how could a man like that be this great man? And then they told him, well, I remember a time he was sick. And oh, he was, he was sobbing over his illness. How can that be the great man? Why Caesar, not us? Is it luck? Is it the gods? Why Caesar, not us? And then Cassius tells his immortal truth. And he turns to Brutus and says, At times, men are masters of their fate. The fault, dear Brutus, lies not in our stars, but in ourselves. Wow. So uh, in closing here, Brother Todd's going to be none too happy with me. I've only watched bits and pieces of this since it was recorded at Founders Day. And I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't in the cathedral for this. Like I said, I was out on the mezzanine. Todd's watched this religiously. But uh, just because of the great guest that Roger was, I wanted to put this on here. But... This is the first time, and Founders Day was in January. This is the first time I've sat and watched it start to finish instead of bits and pieces. And now I see why Todd's always harping on it. But all right, guys, that's it for this episode of uh, that other Masonic podcast. As I said, I'm here in post-production, but I wanted to go ahead and play the clip. I thought originally I was only going to play a couple lines, but then I got lost in Roger's words and uh roger thank you again for being on the show todd and i really appreciate it roger will be the first past grandmaster on the show but i promise you it won't be his only time on the show and i promise you he won't be the only past grandmaster on this show as well so uh for brother todd i'm brother jared atkins thank you guys so guys not that you care like i said i am in post-production here and i'm adding this in on the back end. That's why the audio quality sounds vastly different than when we record because I'm usually, I'm using the, the audio software that I use to mix the episode. It does have a built-in recorder on it. Uh, there was a glitch on the recorder. Sometimes that does happen. So you did lose about 15 seconds. I'm sure some of you are rolling your eyes like, oh God, brother Jared, it's only 15 seconds. But this thing, this Cassius was right by Brother Roger Van Gordon is so impactful. Uh, I just spoke on the phone with Brother Todd a few minutes ago as I was mixing this, and he said it was a life-changing speech. But uh, for those of you that, you know, weren't watching live, you were just hearing it back, you, you did lose about 15 seconds of audio. Uh, I'm sure Roger's laughing right now listening to this like, oh, God, 15 seconds, that's terrible. But... Uh, me being a stickler for professionalism and whatnot, I just want to throw that out there. So, uh, if that 15 seconds is that important, uh, you know, you can always go back and watch it. Uh, otherwise, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we were riding an incredible emotional high the entire day. And it all started with that first episode of that marathon session right here with past grandmaster Roger Van Gordon.